My name is James Rowlands. In 2015, I teamed up with my friend Dan White to create the Dubbing Our podcast. Since then, we have been giving you everything that's happened on the WWE Network. Now, in 2018, not only are we live for the big four events and every NXT takeover, but we celebrate 20 years since the birth of the Attitude Era. Plus, every month we'll bring you 205 Live, collections, new content, W pay-per-views and latest news on the WWE Network. Until we've watched everything, we are with you and we are the WNR. Yes, hello, I am James Rowlands, and as always I'm joined by... Dan White. And today it's the WNR 176, it's WWE versus WCW, but before we do anything, let's start with the alternate intro. Guys, let me tell you something, in this world and with a universe of ours, there's only f- your brains, your bros, and your bike. Helmets on, it's time to rock and ride. Like the night with gold, blasting down the road, pumping fire so bold, the best kept getting better. Riding through the night, they'll be there to fight. Where there is right, the bike of mice forever. Yeah, bike of mice from Mars. Now, some people say the bike of mice from Mars was a cheap rip-off of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I mean, it obviously was, but I still think you should enjoy that. What are your thoughts on bike of mice from Mars, Dan? Um, it wasn't the greatest of uh, shows, but it wasn't terrible, I suppose. No, but what is the greatest of shows? Well, it's the WNR 176, the WWE versus WCW. And now time for the intro. In 1998, WWE and WCW were locked in a ratings war. Their shows, War and Nitro, went head-to-head on Mondays. The WNR podcast go back 20 years, right in the middle of the battle. With exception of Nitro, but now with Raw and a WWF's attitude leading the way... WCW needed to fight back. The WNL podcast follows the war blow for blow and month to month. This is WWE versus WCW, the Monday Night Wars, September 1998. Yeah, well, SummerSlam is over and Austin kept his title while Triple H ended the DX versus Nation War with a win in one of my all-time favourite matches. We enter the build to the next few pay-per-views, which culminates the Survivor Series and the Dead Leagues. Let's get on with it. This is the first Raw after SummerSlam and it's on a Saturday. The Raw after this will be as well. Before we get back to the regular shows on Monday the 14th, giving the fans in 98 two Raws in three days. So let's start Monday Night Raw, September 5th, 1998 for the New Haven Coliseum in New Haven, Connecticut. 7,607, of course Jim Ross and Jerry Lawyer on commentary.
Well, here's Vince to open the show with a big smile on his face. He talks about how in a few weeks there's going to be a breakdown and it's going to be Steve Austin's breakdown. And hey, the next pay-per-view just happens to be called Breakdown. Hey. See how he done that there? See how easy it is to do something like that? Vince says, after breakdown, Austin will no longer be champion. As for Undertaker, he's got an insurance policy in Kane. Then told Kane to go to the back. Well, Vince calls Kane retarded and says the brothers should dominate this company. However, the other superstars are now snickering at the sight of the Undertaker and Kane. He insults them a bit more, and here come the monsters. Vince runs for the crowd, but the two of them chase him down. And our first match is Ken Shamrock and Steve Blackman versus the Disciples of Apocalypse. Well, let's say Skull starts with Shamrock, but it's off to Blackman quickly. Blackman kicks away. No, seriously, he kicks a lot. And even adds in a shoulder block. But here comes Undertaker and Kane, who clear the ring in about a minute. Well, the Undertaker puts Blackman in a leg lock, and then the Monsters chase off DOA. We recap the Vince speech that kicked off the Monsters again. Uh, <coughs> we recap the Vince speech that ticked off the Monsters again. Lawler says it was to motivate Undertaker and Kane. Well, we get a clip of the Outlaws winning the titles back from Mankind in a handicap match, followed by Kane popping up and hitting Foley in the dumpster, and winning them out in the dumpster. Our next match is Vader versus Val Venus. Vader's <coughs> Val's speech is that he's like a dog because he comes when he's called. Dustin Reynolds is in the crowd with signs saying he's coming back. Val pounds on Vader. Vader pounds on Val. Val pounds on Vader some more. Now, for a change of pace, Vader pounds on, Vader pounds on Val some more. <laughs> the entire first minute was nothing but punching and a crossbody from Val. Belly to belly gets two from Vader. Two. A middle rope splash gets the same. Bradshaw comes in for some reason to yell at Vader. Doesn't hit him. But here are Undertaker and Kane again for another match being thrown out. I sense a theme. Too short to rate, but it was bad. Well, Rock and Henry say they win the tag team titles tonight. By that, I mean Rock talks about beating DX and Henry says absolutely nothing. Well, for the tag team titles, it is the Rock and Mark Henry versus New Age Outlaws. Well, the Rock and Gun trade headlocks to start and boom. The Outlaws work on Rock's arm and it's off to Rodok for an armbar and then a headlock. JR says Henry's legs literally like tree trunks. Actually, they look like the legs of a muscular black man, but then again, I'm no professional. Leg drop gets two. Two. For Mark, back to the Rock who punches Dog down in the corner. People's elbow gets two. Two. As Billy has to save. The Nation double teams for a low blow on Rodie. Henry comes back in for a bear hug, but his splash misses. Off to Billy for a lot of crutch chops and everything breaks out to the floor. And Gun goes into the post. And here's China for another DQ. Right. Well, here are Ty Galley Singh and Babu for the usual. Americans will do anything for money shtick. This time it's French kissing Babu has bad breath. The chick looks good at least. Anton Cocaine finally come out to break this up. And up next it is Southern Justice versus the Headbangers. Well, Canterbury puts Frasher on the floor and Mosh puts Knight out there too. Power versus speed here as things start to calm down. Canterbury slams Frasher down for two. Two. And the hills take over. Elbow drop gets two. Two. Off tonight, he drops his head between Frasher's legs to keep him down. Sunset flip gets another two. Two. Frasher finally avoids a charge in the corner after all beating, and it's off to Mosh. House is clean, but after he goes after one too many Godwins, so that the slop drop, slop drop, problem solver from Knight gets the pin. So where was Undertaker and Kane? Well, exactly, exactly. Of all the matches we've had seen finish... These teams weren't interesting to anyone, 
by this point, but at least the headbangers could have some potential. Southern Justice was big, lumbering and completely uninteresting. I don't know why this match got a clean end in, but it was a nice change of pace. Well, Taker and Kane would be looking for Vince all night, go up to Big Door marked Mr. McMahon and knock it over with a sledgehammer. There's no Vince inside, though. Ah, could it have been Shane's office? Oh, maybe. Well, it's the European title next is D'Lo Brown. Well, we get a clip of Jeff Jarrett being forcibly shaved at SummerSlam in the back. They choke and choke the arm to start and pack speed things up. Brown shoulders him down and drops an elbow for two. Two. Close line is ducked and Pat hits a spin wheel kick to take Brown's head off. There's a Bronco Buster, but a second attempt hits boot. X-Facts out of nowhere. Nothing happens out of nowhere apart from an RKO. And here's Jarrett for our fourth DQ in five matches tonight. And this is the debut of Jeff. Well, not a bad match, but I'm sick of these cheap endings. This would be Russo's bad booking style as the whole point of the show. Not that I'm going to mock my good friend on Twitter, Vince Russo. As the whole point of the show is to give a sense of carnage and anarchy, but when it comes off as more annoying than anything else, we get it. You can end a match by something else other than a pin. Now do something else. Well, Kane and Undertaker came down for the 600th time tonight, but the Rock comes out. Brown runs, so Rock gets choke slammed instead. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't look like that on the cover of the new Raw magazine. I mean, JR can plug like no other. Up next is Edge versus Mark Merrow. And this is the aftermath of Sable winning a match all by herself on Sunday while Edge was there too. Filling out process to start and we talk about the Tom River New Jersey Little League World Series champions. Lawler says, how did they win the Super Series? <coughs> Lawler says, World Series. Well, JR says they scored more runs than their opponents. Edge sends him to the floor and hits a sweet dive and here's Gangrel for TQ number five tonight. Edge and Gangrel brawl while The Undertaker and Kane come out to beat up Mero. We get a sit-down interview with Al Snow and get some clips from ECW. Snow talks about being a star there and about how he can be a star here. JR says, you are talking to a mannequin. Seriously. Snow talks about how normal he is and he does stuff like mowing the lawn and going into a grocery. But the voices Snow hears, which Snow says, sound normal. Now we get a discussion about the existence of God. Then we get a quick retrospective of Snow's past incarnations. Snow yelled at JR on Raw once, but says it was not a breakdown. Did you get it? Breakdown? Yeah, break the pay-per-view. He wants to talk to Vince, but wouldn't say anything to him. The, the voices want to talk to Vince. Okay, then. Head starts talking, but Snow says they're talking the car. Part two is next week. This was bizarre, but I couldn't stop watching. <laughs> well, the Antigua and Kane are still walking around. Up next is the Oddities versus the LOD. Well, this would be a six-man tag with Jaws in there too. The ICP plays the Oddities to the ring and Hawk comes out because he's out of it. Instead, it'll be Animal Jaws versus all three Oddities. The fans chant for the clowns and Hawk wants to dance with them some more. They won't do it, so Hawk beats them up. Jaws and Golga start us off with Jaws elbowing him down before Hawk steals the tag. Hawk drops a fist to Golga and then tags in Kurgan. Everything breaks down and Silver Power bombs Hawk to end it. This was nothing. And Hawk dances some more post-match. Videos of some legends, <coughs> videos of some legends saying they're cheerful and how it used to be. Undertaker and Kane break more stuff. And then we get Too Much versus Los Periquez. Well, I think that's Miguel starting with Scotty, if I remember right. This was back when the plan for too much was for them to be Billy and Chuck of the Attitude Era. Miguel is sent to the floor and goes right back into a pump handle suplex for two. Two. Off to Christopher, not yet Grandmaster Sexay. Eh? 
who plays Brett in a heart attack. Off to Jesus, who gets beaten on as well. Lawler explains he didn't have a Christopher at age 13 because he was just a prince back then. Well, JR goes on a small anti-internet rant, which Lawler turns into a Bill Clinton sex joke. Taylor hits a low drop kick as JR tries to prove that Lawler is Brian's dad. On a prequel of faces here. It would appear that way as Scotty runs into Christopher and the faces, I think, take over. They hit a double powerbomb on Scotty, but Christopher hits a top rope leg drop to the back of Miguel's head and Scotty gets a pin. Again, this match, it's the clean finish. Too much really boring because they tried using Memphis stuff on a national stage and that just doesn't work. Los Bariquos literally never wrestled on Raw again after this. So the match means even less. Too much wouldn't become too cool for almost a year. So this was pretty. This was a pretty isolated appearance for them. Up next is Jeff Jarrett versus Scorpio. And it is main event time. <laughs> Yes, it is main event time. Scorpio jumps him and the fight is on. Okay, make that the basic wrestling match is on. After a quick excursion to the floor, Scorpio kicks him to the floor and they fight out there. Back in, Scorpio tries a standing hurricane runner but gets powerbomb for two. Two. In lock, which is broken up quickly, but Scorpio misses the moonsault. Jeff hits a superplex and a freaking X and freaking X pack runs in for the DQ. Well, I'm done. This show has ticked me off again. The match was okay, but of course we have a run-in. It's Russo's world and wrestling has no place on a sports entertainment show. Now I remember why I didn't like Raw much back when Austin wasn't around. Well, Scorpio gets beaten up by the brothers and to Spongebob as Vince watches approvingly. They chase him off to end the show. This show had nine matches and six ended in DQ because of running. It gets old really fast. And what did it accomplish? Not a thing. Untaker and Kane are monsters. We got that the first time, the second time, and all the other fucking times. On top of that, the matches they were given endings were boring, or it was the LOD match. The show was total overkill and had one idea running through the whole thing. If you didn't like that, if you didn't like that idea, there was no point in you watching. That's what got WSW in trouble, but thankfully, it wasn't the case long-term for the WF. It's a total misfire here, though. The next episode of Monday Night Raw, September the 12th, 1998, and it's at Songus Arena, Lowell, Massachusetts. Attendance was an exact 10,000, and on commentary was JR and Jerry Lawler. Well, we're on a Saturday again for our first two Raws in three days. We continue to the push to beat down the eighth. We're in a full stretch of Austin versus Vince now, as Vince is trying to have Kane and The Undertaker take the title off Austin by manipulating them somehow. Other than that, we're kind of transitioning from summer to the end of the year, which culminates in Survivor Series. Let's get on with it. Well, the arena looks really different here as the R was shaped like an L instead of a straight line. So the video screen, not the Titan Tron, is on the opposite side from the camera instead of on the side, if that makes sense. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Uh, Jeff Jarrett versus Edge is our first match. Well, Jarrett takes over quickly and rams Edge into the buckle. Edge comes back with an insiguri and hears Southern Justice with a guitar. Jeff hits a power slam for two. Two. Northern Light Suplex gets two for the Canadian. Two. No, Canadian. Two, way. Eh? Two, what's that a little bit? <laughs> They're going back and forth very quickly here. Out to the floor goes Edge, but he comes back with a top rope crossbody for two. Two. Jarrett hits what would become the stroke for no cover. DDT gets two for Jarrett. Two. As he does a, cap- cat- as he does a catapult into the buckle for Edge. Edge hits two, amigos, and a set out Gordy Buster for third. 
and there's a guitar shot for the DQ loss for Jarrett. Well, this was getting good until the end with a lame ending. Uh, Edge was a great addition to the roster in a few years, but here he was still learning his stuff pretty slowly. Jack got much better after getting his hair cut and started the guitar stuff. Also, dropping the stupid country music helped a lot. And our next match is Bradshaw versus Droz. Droz has a torn bicep coming into this. Bradshaw runs him down almost immediately and suplexes Droz for two. Two. Droz comes back with a power slam but gets backdropped to the floor. Back in, big boot misses and Drozdov hits a big shoulder block to take over. Joz counters a clothesline and hits a DDT followed by a three-point clothesline for two. Two. Bradshaw scoops the feet in the corner and puts his own feet on the ropes for the cheap pin. Not bad, but it's just a filler match. I think the show's more than a special rather than a filler episode of Raw as we get a long recap of Austin Kane Untaker from over the summer. And we found out as well that a breakdown, it will be Austin Untaker Kane for the WF Championship. And our next match is Mark Merrow versus Miguel Perez. Yeah, this is acting a lot. There aren't any promos or anything but a bunch of quick matches. Also, it seems like this show is a little shorter than most usual ones. Filling out process to start as Perez is using his speed advantage to take over. A dropkick puts Merrow on the floor. Mark slowly turns things... Turns... Yeah. Mark slows things down a bit. Top wrist lock gets no one anywhere, but Merrow takes over with a clothesline in the corner. Perez comes back with a dropkick and standard moonsault for two. Two. DDT gets the same, but Perez, Perez walks into the TKO for the pick. Perez was never on Raw again, so at least he went out losing. Granted, I don't think I ever saw him win, so this isn't a shock. Well, the oddities aren't worried about the DOA later. And that matches up next is Disciples of Apocalypse, uh, Disciples of Apocalypse versus the Oddities. Well, Golga and Kurgan are here. The ICP play them to the ring again. Which was probably a bigger deal back then. Kurgan and I think Skull start things off for it's time for the jumping Cartman loving earthquake. King has Golga's Cartman next to him with a crown on it. Golga loads up the earthquake and the top rope breaks. He falls off the corner and Golga gets choked with it. The ICP running for the DQ because the ring is broken. The clowns get beaten up post match. Well, here's Rock with something to say. He wants to talk about the ladder match at SummerSlam where he beat up Triple H for 30 minutes, but then Triple H climbed the ladder and stole the Rock's Intercontinental title. The Rock will always be the people's champion, though. Lately, people have had some issues knowing their roles. Those peoples would be The Untaker, or would be The Untaker and Kane. Kane isn't going to get away with Choke Sam and The Rock, and sometime soon, Rock will be coming for Kane. This would be something very close to a face turn, I would say. <clears throat> and now for something completely different. Here's the Lions Den match from SummerSlam in its entirety. <laughs> what an episode of Raw this is! My God. Up next, it's Too Much versus Southern Justice. Well, Christopher and Knight start off. Start with <clears throat> Christopher and Knight start with Lawler playing cheerleader for his son. Off to Taylor, who doesn't have the same luck. Knight kicks him in the chest, which gets a hug from Christopher. From what I can tell. Too much was going to be Billy and Chuck in the Attitude Era, but it didn't come together. Well, basically what it means is that, like I said, you're going to do the gay angle with them wow. getting married and stuff like that, you know, with the um, Jerry yeah, Springer I see, era. I know, I know. It turns into a power versus speed match as Brian tries a crossbody out of the corner, but gets caught in a power slam for two. Two. Hot tag brings in Scotty, but there's too much power for too much and the slot drop pins Scotty. Well, it's very clear that this is a placeholder show until we get some real stuff again in two days. That gets really annoying, though, if we have to sit for a show with stuff like we've gotten so far. I watched SummerSlam, so I wouldn't want to see that match again on Raw. <laughs> and we get a promo of the old guys saying they love the new generation. And then it's Dustin Reynolds versus Vader. Dustin is wearing the He Is Coming Back shirt. 
Vader drills him and pounds him down, but is too fat to be Vader anymore. The beating goes on for a while, but Dustin gets a shot to break the momentum. He makes his comeback, get it, but sees Val in the crowd with a sign saying, I have come. (laughs) Okay, that's kind of funny because James laughed. (laughs) Vader jumps a distracted Dustin and actually wins a match with a Vader bomb. This was very short. Yeah, it was. We were getting video on Sable focusing on a match from SummerSlam. Al Snow is here and wants to talk to Vince. He needs to get in queue behind Undertaker and Kane. He gets S. Laughter, Patterson and Briscoe instead. It's a comedy segment that ends up with Patterson getting a shot between the head, between the legs from head. Get this show over with already. <laughs> yeah. Well, the headbangers think it's Saturday. Headbangers versus D'Lo and Mark. Brown and Mosh start things off with Mosh in control. Off to Frasher, who hits a flapjack for two. Two. Henry comes in and it takes double teaming him to take him down. A double suplex puts Henry down and it's back to Mosh versus D'Lo with a lat hit with a running power bomb for two. Two. The headbangers throw the nation together and here's China for the DQ. Short, too short to mean anything, but it was bad. And up next is a, a great match I've been looking forward to. It is Degeneration X tie. Well, Tacker and Rhodey start things off. The Outlaws double-team Tacker, so it's time for Finucky. Men's CO comes in and the squash continues. Triple H comes in and doesn't bother to take his hat off. Triple H chops him in the chest and hits the high knee for bringing Dog back in. And contributor team Road Dog with elbows and drop kicks from Tacker. Top rope splash gets two for Togo. Two. Road Dog moves from a top rope splash from Tacker and it's off to pack. Things speed up and everything breaks down. A gorilla press from Billy into the X Factor. Pins Tacker. A squash match to end this wretched show. For some reason, that doesn't surprise me. This was never any doubt that DX was going to win this, and they never broke a sweat. The nation didn't even come out to try and avenge the earlier DQ loss. In other words, it's a pretty worthless main event, although that finish-up was cool. And Triple H gets a fan to flash DX to end the show. For the love of all things good and holy, never off the show again. This is one of the least interesting shows I can ever remember with no main event guys showing up and therefore making it almost a lame house show. I don't know if everyone else was on vacation or what, but this show came off like it was nothing. The only thing of note here is The Rock calling out Kane, which could have been done on any other show. Just horrible and totally not needed, especially with the regular Raw being back in two days. Yeah, so a real misfire there from the WF from Rawley's past a couple of episodes to start September. I mean, we had the, you know, how big SummerSlam was and the excitement. And it's a bit of a come down. And will it give the WCW a chance to, to fight back? Uh, and so, after that excitement, let's catch up with Nitro before our pay-per-view. It's Nitro 156, September 7th. Well, one thing I've noticed is that WCW gets bashed in print during this era. They push the same stars and hold back others and, of course, the Ric Flair incident. Obviously, a lot of this is well-deserved. WCW has done things. Asinine. Asinine things. Well, they're very strong performers and the Flair thing should not have happened, but he was unhappy and per- purposely did not show. Now, Nash and Hall and Hogan pull shit like that all the time. Hall and Nash are accused of making shoot comments. But I would argue they are not that bad and do not hurt the show. Hall and Nash, for all their issues, were being held back. And Nash is quite over, but it's too bad about Hall and his myriad of issues. 
Mike Mooneyham and the others agree that they've had its problems, but do not delve into them and instead focus on WCW. Yeah, now that Brett and Sean are gone, the WWF obviously has less issues. WCW is accused of not having enough wrestling. I think there could be more, but do not act like Raw was wrestling when it does not. There was no word about the juvenile antics about the show, and in fact, Val getting his penis chopped off was giggled at. Seriously? <laughs> we did laugh at that. Well, Dumpster, we've been the whipping boys for years, deservedly so, but fuck, shows if people think the oddities are cool, or like the outlaws are not annoying, is drunk or lying. Now, the other packages their mid-card is better, and make them seem bigger stars than WW. but Sting is, to declare Sting is being buried, where the... While it has a modicum of truth, he's still being used. The Zelf uses the same top guys, but it's more flashy. Also, to claim Bret Hart was exposed to the mid-card since leaving WF is fucking stupid. The ratings took off after Sean left. Bret was a top here in the WWF, and Vince is still bashing him for not being a team player. Unfortunately, WCW is filled with rabid dogs, but when it comes, but, but when Bret is on screen, the show improves. I'm baffled as to why the giant was cuffed last week and where Goldberg was. Well, yes, WCW does odd things and even stupid things that lead to its downfall. But right now, they're doing more good than bad, okay? So, on with the show. Hogan and the NWO are in his locker room and OWN is painted there and no one saw him come in. Vincent thinks he is invisible. They are running in the back. A man is laid out and taken to the ambulance as Hogan and the rest panic. Well, here they come towards the ring. EB calls him a gutless piece of garbage and Hogan calls him out. He wants to know who Warrior thinks he is and he's sick of it and he's sick of heart too. Brett is off the team and the giant is on instead. There's no way Warrior can get through the disciple or the giant and he's going to sick them on him and they will hunt him down. Up next is a good match for James. It is Conan versus Bull Payne. It's Bull Payne versus Bull Shit, isn't it? Conan tosses him over his shoulder and then strikes him with a clothesline. He follows up with a short drop kick. He works over the back but gets his eyes raked and pounded. Conan is then tossed to the floor and then the dude leaps out on him. They go back and forth until the sunrise finishes it. Well, Gene is out with JJ and now discussing Bret Hart being out. JJ was at the contract signing and the NWO was unified and too bad about Hogan not being keen on using Hart because the contract is clear and a giant will not take his place. All right. Well, here comes DDP. DDP does not like being told what to do. He doesn't like Nash giving him an ultimatum. He recalls what happened two years ago when the black and white tried to recruit him and they felt the bang. Now, here in Pensacola, there are two factions with big egos. He replaced what Nash said last week. Gene calls what he said was he agrees. Well, DDP will not be threatened, and he does not trust Nash. And with everything that has happened with Goldberg, and the fans erupt, and out comes Nash. Nash thanks him for the history lesson, and DDP has an opportunity to join the most elite team in history. And if he's not in his foxhole at the pay-per-view, 
then he is, he is the enemy. He wonders why DDP cannot trust him and the response is history. And he wonders how Sting and Luger can trust him. Paige spouts out an e- emo teen. Whatever. <laughs> well, Luger understands that he's frustrated right now, but he should be flattered. Luger declares that he's invited him and they were convinced by Nash too. They allow Luger to hang out with Malone and Leno and now they just want an answer. DDP has a question and he knows what the war games are about and do not think that Nash would powerbomb him in a heartbeat. Sting will clear that up. Sting has been powerbombed before and they will have a match tonight. Paige will give an answer and it will bring him, and he will bring in Piper. It's his Wolfpack rules and he wants Nash to be there so he can get banged. Well, Piper is in the ring. He's going to fill us in. On the truth of the war games. There are no teams. It's Armageddon. And the last guy standing is the winner. Piper is screeching about the pay teams. And he wears black and gold. Piper will be his partner tonight. They will not be friends at the pay-per-view. What about Team WCW? Of course having teams with the winner facing the champ is counterproductive. I'm sure they were not thinking of that at the time. In order to get as many big men as possible involved. Oh well. It doesn't need to make sense. As it really does not. Yeah. Next match is Ralph versus Lenny Lane. Ralph, if I, Ralph is owning him. It's over. Hogan and the disciples hung upside down inside the locker room. Hogan screams warrior a la Khan. So he screams warrior. Here comes Bret Hart and Henning and Ray follows close behind. Sting jogs down to the ring and clears out a co- conferring NWO. Bret is thanking him and gets shoved with the bat. And Sting gives it to him and turns his back. Brett tosses it down and has his hand out, but Sting departs. Mm-hmm. Pre-recorded interviews, Rick and Scott Steiner discuss their match. A match three is Scott Steiner versus Evan Courageous. Well, Scott is talking about the NWO being the best and how WWE is filled with losers. Come full brawl, he's going to take Rick to the edge of defeat and then push him over. He calls himself the bigger, stronger, faster brother. Evan's opponent is laid out in the back and he's in the wrong place at the wrong time. and kicks him in the gut and beats him up and taunts him on the mic. Buff is on commentary, Steiner clotheslines him a couple of times and then drops him. He follows up with an underhook powerbomb. He puts him in the recliner. Complete squash. Yes, yeah, so match four is Hector Garza versus Juventud Guerrero, who's the champion for the Cruiserweight title. Well, Garza had knee surgery. Mm. Hoover runs circles around him and strikes with a head scissors takeover. Garza comes back in with two spinning backbreakers. Hoover drops him in and knocks him to the floor with a heel kick. Hoover leaps and strikes with a plancher. Garza gets a near fall, follows up with a slam, but misses the moonsault and finishes it. Another solid Juve match. Yes, and Gene is with Henning and Rude and discussing the steel cage match. Henning calls Double A a coward for turning his back on the horseman. Rude agrees that Anderson has been set out to pasture. Up next is Cat versus Kenny Chaos. And Cat gets another quick victory. The next match is Chris Adams versus Steve Ray. <coughs> Ray is dominating. He snaps him over and sits on his shoulders. Adams tosses him and then follows clotheslines in from the middle rope. Vincent distracts him and Adams turns into a boot to the face and it is slapjack time. I mean, not too bad. Flock is out and Raven mocks Saturn for wanting to set them free. With age comes maturity and power follows. Saturn cannot beat him at full brawl. He has to fight Riggs tonight and Lodi orders him to do it. So it's Saturn versus Riggs. Riggs takes it to him from the get-go, runs him into the corner as Raven taunts him on the mic. 
Lodi orders Saturn to fight back as he eats a running knee in the corner. Well, Riggs runs him over with a running knee, but Saturn comes back with a belly-to-back suplex and drop kicks him. Saturn chops Riggs in the corner and sprinkles him some kicks to the face. Saturn knocks him to the floor and beats him on for a bit, rolls him back in the ring, and then just sets him down. He goes over and talks to Raven or glares at him and then goes back to Riggs. Has him up and it's driver time and it is over. I mean, I've only departed Jim the Anaheim Heart for the WCW TV title. Yeah, and it's interesting to go back. We talk about Jericho, you know, 20 years ago. Jim Neinhart being involved now. It's a match maybe people didn't actually think happened or took place. And it's weird with, with Nitro being away, it is Jericho coming up in his career and where Neinhart was. I think it's an interesting matchup. I mean, what do you think uh, Jim looks like here, Dan? He looks a bit unhinged. He does indeed, yes. Well, Jericho has a mic and calls himself the walrus. He promises to never treat the Jerichoics wrong just because he's better than them. I love Jericho at this point. It's so cocky as well. Oh, so here we go then. Nine hearts come in, ready to face off with Chris Jericho. Nice collar now we're up to start. Yeah, Anvil just pushes Jericho out of the ring. I think this is good for Jericho, though, because we know we've seen him as cruiserweight champion. He's slowly moving up the card now, you know, television champion, facing bigger guys, arguably bigger stars. If he could get victory tonight, it would uh, validate Jericho's claim of how good he is. But the anvil, of course, we talked about, got the power. He's already knocked Jericho down once with a shoulder block. Yeah, and he's picked Jericho up by his head and just dropped into the mat. We talk about him being unhinged. I think mean, Jim Neinhart... Come into WSW after the wake of the Montreal screw job. Look, throws him up in the <laughs> air and drops him on his stomach. It was impressive for him, and he's looking to make his, his own impact. As the fans looking somewhere else, what are they looking at? Jim's got Jericho now. Had him by the hair, but Jericho responded with a chops. Irish right by Irish whip. By. Looking for a pop up something, but Jericho turns it into a, a drop kick. Sends the anvil to the outside of the apron, and then a springboard drop kick sends him off to the wafer fin mats below. And Jericho might take a little bit of a risk here. Oh, baseball slide. It wasn't that much of a risk. It was calculated risk, I would say, as a baseball slide sends Jim into the still barricade and onto those mats. I mean, how thin are those mats on the outside? They are way for thin. They're just mere millimetres thick over concrete. And again, getting whipped there is Jim Hard. Jericho responds with the slaps. But Jim, to his credit, fighting back with the punches. I think I would back Neinhardt in a fist fight not now gets back in and Jericho cuts him down couple of kicks and a big elbow oh powers up Neidhart but Neidhart shifts his <laughs> weight on top of Jericho gets the two count two spinning heel kick to the midsection for Jericho though can he suplex Anvil and he's going to try again isn't he oh. oh manages to quite impressive by Jericho and now came for the cover <laughs> The cocky cover, but Anvil kicks out. Oh. And now it's time for the... Oh! Jericho looking for the lion salt, but Neidhart rolls inwards out of the way. A big clothesline by Jim. It's worse than that. He's dead, Jim. Dead, Jim. And now Irish rip to the corner. Neidhart taking this time. Oh, my God. The straps are down. Well, that means business for Jim. Another Irish rip to the other corner. Taking his time and walks in at Jericho. Throws Jim to the outside. Neinhart looks pretty tired at the moment. He's been on an all-night crack binge. Manages to catch Jericho, who jumps to the outside, though. Sends him back first into the ring post. Protected him well then, making sure Jericho didn't drop. Sends him back into the ring. 
Neinhardt now looking for a victory over the television champion. Going up to the second rope. Don't know what he was looking for, but he missed it. <laughs> Jericho catches Neidhart. Can he turn him? He's trying to get him into the line. Tamer slowly adjusting, and Jim's in serious trouble now. Oh, you can see he's fighting with the power of the Neidhart. Referee's checking him. <clears throat> now he's got the leg over. But Anvil's trying to turn it, so he's back on his back, making it awkward for Jericho. Well, referee called for the bell then, and now Jericho's trying to get him in it, and what a fucking awful ending that was. What happened? Screwed or something like that. Looks like he didn't get turned around properly. Jericho leaves with a referee. Well, Jericho gets a victory, but that was really odd there for um, Jim and Alvin Einhardt. <laughs> Even Jericho looks a bit bemused by that. Gets a victory, and what a, what a weird way of doing that. You know, maybe it was the only way he would lose to him. Maybe not, but Jericho beats Jim the Hammer Nineheart here on Nitro. And Jim is not happy. So Eddie's out on the ramp. He calls EB Uncle Eric as soon as he cannot wrestle anywhere else. And he loves it here so much, but his back is hurt and needs an MRI. His contract stipulates that as soon as his back is hurt and WCW is responsible, he will not wrestle because he does not want to bring the lawyers in at all. He loves it here so much that he will give himself the night off. Up next is Kurt Henning versus Dean Malenko in a steel cage. Well, Kurt greets him with blows to the head and back. He taunts him against the ropes as he smacks him around. Dean is in the corner again, but is able to get a shot or two. But Kurt is relentless as Dean sells the injured shoulder and and he heading stands on Dean. Dean is tossed into the cage as the crowd gets restless. He batters him, but Dean hits him and catapults him into the cage. The crowd is flung into the cage and he goes for the cloverleaf, but Kurt gets to the ropes. Well, the ref is down as Dean picks up and slams Malenko. Dean pushes him into the cage and puts him in the cloverleaf. The ref is still out, and Eric Bischoff runs down and locks the cage, and here comes Rude, and he attacks Malenko, and now the ref is up and calls for the bell. The ref gets tossed into the cage for his impatience, and now Stevie Ray has joined in the fun, beating Malenko. They're going to shut the door... And take their time. And the reason is because... Here he comes. The enforcer Arn Anderson. Taking out Henning. Taking out Rude. Now he's going to have to Stevie. Shirts are off. <laughs> Fans going crazy. Throws him into the cage. And for the whipping on Stevie Ray. Well, the enforcer. Former horseman. And now Malenko and Anderson. Staring at one another. Former horseman. I mean, the actual match was okay, but the ending was badass. And uh, up next is Scott Putsky versus Goldberg for the WCW title. I don't know how Scott Putsky managed to get a number one contender shot. But, yeah, unfortunately, he's going to get Goldberg. Let's watch his entrance. And what is Goldberg's record at the moment, Dan? 140 and 0. Is that a real Goldberg chant? We've seen him with security, the fireworks. It's a whole package at the moment, isn't it? Goldberg, like I say, with a streak. For the world title on the line. How did St- Scott Putsy get there? I don't know, but the match has started now. I wonder how long this is going to take. Colin and Elwood up to start. Goldberg takes him down. Picks him up. Suplexes him across now. Goldberg goes, picks him up. Putsky reverses it, though. Backslide. Suplex from Scotty Boy. Oh, he might win this. He might. Oh. Well, Goldberg bounced straight <laughs> up from that suplex. Spears Scott Putsky. Oh, my God. Impact. Like a truck hitting you. And what happens after the spear, Dan? Well, James, he jacks him up. 
Hammers him down. One, One two, two, three. Easy as you like. 141. My God. And Goldberg. <laughs> I thought you fell over, but I think you're celebrating. Uh, will a world championship. Who's going to stop him? I just don't know. Each week, Goldberg's probably the best thing about Nitro. But up next is Sting and Lex Luger versus DDP and Roddy Piper. Well, DDP and Piper are arguing about who is going first. DDP gets to go first. Lex flexes at DDP, who lounges in the corner, so Piper takes himself in and tees off on Luger, stomping and punching away. After some chops, DDP gets the tag, but he's, and he slams and beats on Luger. He gets a two count. Two! But he's run over by Luger. Here comes Sting, and he bulldogs DDP and strikes him with an inverted atomic drop. Sting kicks him, then crushes him with a jumping DDT. He is caught and one arm slammed, and he covers him, but Luger makes a save and Piper gets tossed to the floor. And he runs in after going runs back in after going after Luger and now all four are in the ring. Nash runs down and he posts Piper. He gets in the ring as DDP hammers Sting. Sting is knocked to the floor and Nash grabs and powerbombs Page. Well short and not great, but angered advancement. That's a title of my sex tape. <laughs> Here comes Hulk and the Giant. Hogan claims the warrior doesn't have the guts to face him one at a time. So he offers up the giant and him, then he's worthy of Hollywood. He wants the cage lowered so there can be no escape and the cage is lowered. He will also get his belt back at the pay-per-view and he calls down the warrior again and tells him to meet his maker. The steam again, Hogan is doubled over, coughing. Well, this mess, I don't know where this steam, this kind of fog is coming from and how warrior can actually do it. Well, the warrior's sitting in the chair, smirking. No, James, he hasn't got a cigarette in his gob. He's just got a smile on his face. Well, the Giant's knocked out. Warrior has a chair as Hogan looks worried. No shit. Bischoff runs down. He has a chair too. He did bring one down. Tony gushes as Warrior takes off his coat and shows off his body. And he talks about his body. And now Warrior has got a steel chair. He's going to go for Hogan. Oh, my God. Misses. Hogan just hit him in the back with a chair. And the Warrior's warrioring up. <laughs> Hogan is getting the fuck out of there. Oh, my God. And Warrior wants a piece of Hulk Hogan. Well, the fans chanting that Hogan sucks. He's locking Warrior in there. Well, the power of the ultimate Warrior. And there we go. Warrior pumping his chest. And this kind of steam and smoke enters the ring. The lights are flashing on and off as well. What has the Warrior learned in his couple of years away? You know, he'll talk about special powers or whatever it is. Bischoff and Hogan are there and... The steam is clearing. What? The ring is empty and the Warrior has gone. Where, where is the Warrior? What? No. Well, Hogan should be afraid. He should be very afraid. An improvement over last week. They advanced the paper. You set it up quite well, despite some confusion over teams. DDP and Piper are buddies, and now they're not. Fuck WSW. Make up your mind. Arn had a great cameo, and the wrestling, despite some wacky endings, was solid. The Warrior and his vanishing act crap is annoying, but so far nothing too fake and terrible has occurred. Apart from Warrior just disappearing into mist. <laughs> mist. The Bret Hart situation. Situation. 
needed to be discussed more. The promos were not overly long either. I know we can hope the pay-per-view actually delivers. Yeah. Before the pay-per-view, let's check the ratings for August and September because I had an email saying we didn't do the ratings for August. So I do apologise for that. So let's just go for it. Uh, on the 8th of... No, sorry. On the 3rd of August, 1998, Royal got a 4.9 rating, beating WCW, who had a 4.2. Two. On the 10th of the 8th, Raw got a 4.5, and they was beaten by Nitro, who got a 4.6. Yeah, on the 17th of August, it's all the build-up towards SummerSlam. Nitro won yet again 4.9 to 4.2. On the 24th of August, Nitro won for a third time 5.2 to a 4.7. Yeah, and I'll just to discuss that, I mean, people have a go at WCW bringing people back. The Warrior coming back actually helped him out in the ratings that time because people were actually to see what he would do. Yeah, so Nitro on the 31st of August uh, was got six, which is a great rating compared to Raw, which wasn't on. And on the 7th of September, Nitro got a 5.5. Yeah. We're not counting Raw's ratings because obviously they were on Saturdays weren't part of the Monday Night Wars. And then when they finally went head-to-head again on the 14th of September, the night after our pay-per-view, Nitro won it just 4.5 to 4.4. Oh. On the 21st of September, Raw won it, but only just they got a 4, whereas Nitro got a 3.9. And then on Nitro, won again. So they really are wars at the moment, because they are trading back and forth. And Nitro got 4.6 to Raw's 4. So there we go. I mean, so the war is still going on. But we do now move on to our pay-per-view for this month in WWE vs. WCW. Brawl, 9-98, and it's War Games. So, yeah, it's the 13th of September, 1998. Uh, yeah, and we are in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, Lawrence Joel Veterans Memorial Coliseum. There's 11,528 people. We've got Tony Schroni, Bobby Heenan, and Mike Tanay on commentary. Well, the pay-per-view buy rate is a relative one, and it is 0.71. Well, we start off with a very low-tech video package highlighting the three War Games teams of NWA and Steve Ray and Brett, NWA Wolfpack, Nash, Sting, Luger, and Team WCW, Warrior, Piper, and DDP. Yes, in case you didn't know, War Games this year is three teams instead of two, but each team operates as individuals, and the sole person to score pinfall doesn't need to be a submission this year, becomes number one contender for a shot at the belt at Halloween Havoc. But let's first run through the card. So what are we looking forward to here tonight, Dan? What have we got in store? We've got the Dancing Fools versus Jim Neidhart and British Bulldog. We've got Norman Smiley versus The Cat. We've got Brother versus Brother, and that is Scott Steiner versus Rick Steiner. We've got the WWE Cruiserweight Championship, Silver King versus Human 2 Guerrera. We've got a Ravens Rules match, Raven versus Saturn. Kurt Henning versus Dean Malenko. Scott Hall versus James's favourite Conan. Oh, God. And, of course, the War Games match. Tony tried to talk about the new rules to war games, but you can barely hear them because of the ruckus crowd is shaking the building with chances. We want flair. We want flair. See, flair was taken off TV back in April of 98, then got into a legal tug of war with Bischoff, but the case was settled by this point. So the crowd wants flair. However, they would have to wait until the next night after full brawl to see flair reunite with the horseman on nitro. But wait. Well, we cut backstage some breaking news, and it's the cat. He's having a pull-apart brawl with no one. Seriously, we start the pay-per-view, but we cut away to Ernest Miller being held back by security for no reason. Well, Mean Gene tries hyping up the card, but Jericho, TV champ, comes out to big heat. Holy shit, they 
hate Jericho. Jericho says he's got a scoop that he's been calling out Goldberg, and tonight Goldberg has finally accepted. Goldberg versus Jericho, title versus title. Huge Goldberg chance follow. The whole reason why to tease this is because Goldberg isn't even booked on the show. No match for your world champion. In case you think that's some kind of minor oversight, that would never happen twice. It did at World War Three the same year. Also the previous month at Road Wild, the world champ was booked in a battle royal. Let's face it, in Goldberg's entire Go, let's face it, in Goldberg's entire world title reign, he had one feud that meant anything, DDP, which was July at Bash of the Beach. Squash is perfect, Battle Royal September, full brawl. Not booked October, Halloween Havoc. Beats DDP, but the match is cut off at the end of the pay-per-view. November, World War Three, no match. December, Starcade loses to Nash, and people wonder why his title reign went nowhere. Yes, positive way to start. Uh, so let's get this action underway with the Dancing Fools, and that, of course, is Disco Inferno and Alex Gigantic Penis Wright. And look at it. It is formidable opponent. I mean, it's one of the highlights going back 20 years, and just seeing... He's, he is the total package. It's not Lex Luger. It's Alex Wright. I mean, I am a huge fan. So is Mark Tardis of Alex Wright. You can see him come out here and dancing. I mean, this tag team has got so much potential, you know. Uh, out of all the matches on the card tonight, which one are you looking forward to the most? I'm looking forward to seeing how the war games actually ends up. Yeah. And finally, we're actually going to see Scott and Rick actually have a fight near enough. Uh, what is it? Seven months after it first happened, so <laughs> we've been waiting half a year. We're finally going to get brother versus brother here tonight. Also, uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens in Ravens' rules. They've been entertaining recently, but we talk about rules and uh, does the the Brett? Well, fuck this shit. Look at this, Jim the Anvil Nylak coming out, British Bulldog. We last saw Jim lose his Jericho in the last episode of Nine. He's coming out here now, and uh, what a weird tag team match to start. But I'm a fan of all four of these men. What are your thoughts? Who's the strongest? Who's the weakest out of these four? I'd say Disco Inferno's the weakest. And the other three are the strongest. <laughs> What's the problem with Disco, then? Uh, I don't know. I just think he's an idiot. So here we go. We've got Alex Wright and Disco, Bulldog and Anvil. I think out of all of them, like you say, Disco, just wrestling technique in itself. Probably the, the weakest of the four that way. Uh, Alex Wright, I think, is really underrated because if you go back to WCW, watch it, 93-94, when he was making his debut, he was going to be kind of next to Wonder Kid, as it was. Because on, Alex Wright's German. Come on, yeah. If we can't do a German impersonation, then it's wasting all of us. Uh, and I think he's actually quite a good worker, and he had a bit of success in WCW at this time. So I think it proves he can go. As for Bulldog and Nineheart, for me it feels more WSW at this point as they're just taking a place in the card. There's no real plans for them. There's no real stories. You know, they maybe could have gone Hart Family versus NWO if they wanted to. But they, they chose against it, you know. So it's interesting to see on it. You know, Bulldog would still ha- go to WWF back in, you know, 1999 and be involved in the main event pitches. I mean, he had a match against the Rocket No Mercy in 99. So Bulldog was still involved with that. Here, of course, he's starting the night off. And WWF at this point as well should be noted that in 1998, it still is a quite a big force as well, you know. they not at Raw and the actual deal has only been taken over these past couple of months as people will know listening back to the podcast so it's one of these things still strong the, the, the product is still good in its own way you know as well and the pay-per-views are still being bought by a lot of people 
So it is Alex Wright and the British Bulldog to start things off. Coronel by top, a bit of a test of strength between these two guys. Bulldog's a bit more built than Wright, but not in the trouser department. As he works away with the big forearms on Alex Wright in the corner, who comes back with a poke to the eye, turns it around and delivers a big European uppercut, followed by some big right hands. Well, the thing is, you should you should see a European style in this. Of course, you know, we know Davy Boys from England. Now it's like being German, so they could mix up a little bit in their skills here. Hip-tossing Alex Wright, showing his power, and then bringing him up all the way down. Tags in the anvil, and Alex Wright tags in Disco. Disco's looking to dance with Jim. See how this works out, Colin over tie-up. But Jim just wants some... Now look at the power of the anvil. Another Colin over tie-up. Jim again, grabbing a side headlock. Gets pushed off by Disco, though. But Inferno is not going to win. Tests his strength. Runs right into the battering round, which is anvil. And yet again, pushed. Now he's got a little confab with Alex Wright. Oh, and Anvil shaking his hips. He can show he can bust a move. Finally, Disco gets some offence in. Drop toe hold to Jim. And now with a boot. Should say dancing feet of Disco. Laying the tap down on Jim. It takes two to tango. An Irish ripper now. Trying to bring the boogie. Disco rolls out the way. And a huge knee lift to the face. But Jim Nineheart showing his experience circles. Getting into the corner with the Bulldog. You talk about tag team experience in this match. Nine Hart wins it by a country mile. The, um, the Hart Foundation with Bret Hart back in the day. Multiple time tag team champions. But as I just said, I'm going to correct myself now. Because of course, British Bulldog with the Bulldogs and Dynamite. And the huge tag teams back in the 80s now find themselves teaming together. And this relatively new tag team of the Dancing Fools of... Uh... They've been together, what, a month, two months? Yeah, a couple of months now. We saw, uh, they did a weird storyline a few months ago with Alex Wright, dancing with the Nitro girls. And, of course, Disco saw that and said, no, we can maybe become a tag team. Wright's kicking down Bulldog in the corner. Anvil looked to be sneaking in, got caught by the ref. And Alex Wright, impressing there, since he's been getting the tag in, might be a little bit taller than the Bulldog, but like I said, the sheer size of the Bulldog doesn't put off Alex Wright or his penis. Oh, my God. Monkey flip, Bulldog lands on his feet. We gets caught with a spinning heel kick. Goes for the cover. Anvil again looking to cake it up, but just moving too slow, the big guy. Bulldog back to his feet, breathing some air. Here comes Alex Wright with Irish whip. And that is beautiful move, Alex Wright. Talk about the European style there. Grabbing the arm, forcing Bulldog over. It's more of a German whip, yeah. He's going to try it again into the corner. Oh, but runs into an elbow from the Bulldog. He just comes charging out of a big clothesline. Takes down Alex Wright. And the old crackhead buddies. Alex Wright with a boot to Bulldog in the face. What, do you think they were smoking crack before the pay-per-view? Definitely of the day. Well, Disco gets tagged in. Drops the elbow. I don't think the Bulldog and Anvil work because they're both meant to be in the powerhouses of their respective teams. You know the hot tags? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So normally, like the, when the faster guy gets the tag in, leaps over the top rope, starts wailing away at everyone. But these two guys, they just like try and clean house, and they don't move fast enough. Yeah. Well, I tell you, talk about tag team. I think the Outlaws are really, really good for that. You know, Rodor getting beat down, the hot tag to Billy. I think Billy Gunn's hot tag work is really underrated. And yeah, maybe in this one, they work better being on top, and they have taken over at this point. Disco got caught on the outside. Jim hung him up on Barry Cade. Put the boots to him behind the referee's back. Bulldog showed experience. 
As Nineheart sends Disco into the barricade again. Disco sent back into the ring for Bulldog to get a headlock on. Disco's not down for long, though. He getting back to his feet. Punches to the midsection. Elbows, even. Oh, but runs into a knee from Bulldog. Turns him inside out. Back to the mat. So, in this match, who are the heels? Who are the uh, the faces, then? Because I know we might think Bulldog and Nineheart are, but Disco and Alex Wright very goofy, aren't they? <laughs> you know? Yeah. I think I would support Alex Wright and uh, Disco in this match. As Nineheart again trying to come in. I probably would, you know, just for the fact that Jim the Anvil Nidart seems to be playing a hill, trying to come in at any opportunity. Yeah, exactly. T- attacking from behind as well. And they've been in control most of the match. So there's Jim with a cheap shot to Disco. Disco gets out, tries a sunset flip. Bulldog not going down low. Grabs Disco round the neck. Picks him up. Disco stomps on Bulldog's foot. And then just runs into him. Might not be pretty, but it's effective. Disco Irish whipped, reversed by Bulldog. Oh, my word. It's like a rope flap, Jack, because Disco missed the top. And now Jim's getting a tag in the middle of the ring, basically. There's no tag rope, so it's fair. That is true. And now Jim getting in the face of Disco, saying, is this what you wanted? You and your big penis partner. As he picks him up by his hand, just drops him onto his ass, and now the straps come down. Uh Uh-oh. It means business. And now Jim's got hold of Disco, and he's going to look to end this. And look at it, bite into the face of Disco. We talked about who the hills are. It's definitely Jim here. You taste like crack, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I want to lick you, boy. He will be missed. And he's, ta- he's looking at Bulldog. Bulldog's getting some instructions as well. Going to put the boot up. And now they're double-teaming Disco in the corner. Bulldog gets the tag in himself. He easily picks Disco up, slams him down. And now Jim's going to come in. Assisted shoulder block over the top rope. Grabs all the legs, stopping Disco from getting attacked to Alex Wright. Well, I guess he must have missed that, even though it looked like an offensive move. Disco with the kicks. Finally gets the tag into Wright, who climbs up to the top. Lovely missile drop kick there. Sends him over the ring to Bulldog, who gets caught with a drop kick on his way in. I think Alex Wright's quite a good work. He's quite underrated. Pop. Bulldog there, right on his back. Alex Wright picking up the Bulldog. Slamming him down, but getting attacked from behind by Jim. Jim the Hill Neidhart. Yeah. It's worse than that. He's dead, Jim. Now both been in trouble. Well, Alex Wright is bringing it here, and here the Jim. Well, I'm sure Alex Wright might have been taken from behind a couple of times before, but that one was a heinous assault by Jim. And now David is going to run him power slam him. But I think Disco's just blind-tagged himself in. He pulls Alex right down from the back. And both men double close on on Bulldog. Now Alex Wright tagging Disco in again. <laughs> Referee lays down for Alex Wright running across. Oh, Bulldog leapfrogs uh, Disco, who takes out Alex Wright inadvertently. Oh, my God. Bulldog really struggling to pick up Disco for the running power slam. Does it, and gets a victory. Bulldog wins. Well, Bulldog and Jim beat the Dancing Fools. Dan, what are your thoughts on that match? Um, It was a bit of a clusterfuck at points, but it wasn't a terrible match. It was a standard tag team match, but I don't think Anvil and Bulldog are the right pairing to have as a tag team. Yeah, I don't think that um, it was a right fit in this match. I think they, they struggled too much, you know. I think that to actually 
get some of the moves working. I don't want to accuse Jim and Bulldog of looking, smoking crack, whatever it is, but they don't look in the best of shape now, you know? I think Alex Wright is a very underrated worker, uh, and I think the tag, this tag team's got a lot of potential if WWE were to get behind Fight Disco, but wasn't to be here tonight, but at least they're on paper. You look at the positives, you know? That is very true, yeah. <laughs> well, we go back to Mean Gene, and he says there's a dirty rumour going around backstage that Scott Steiner may not fight brother Rick Scott Steiner tonight. Yes, this sacrilege refused to off four papers in a row without delivering, and went on for almost a year. Scott turned on Rick back in February of 98 of Super Bowl to become the White Thunder Big Popper Pump and join the NWO. This is September, and they still haven't wrestled over the whole, fi- whole thing. They have a semblance of finality, I have it, where Rick would win the titles by himself and beat Scott, but then he had another no contest at World War Three, which was nice, not followed up at Starcade. Anyway, Scotty has ice in his back and two band-aids on both sides of his bicep, and he says they're real. It's funny and all, but only because when it comes back to bite the heels in the arse, which it didn't. Buff says they have a doctor's note that prohibits Scott from competing. Mean Gene... Dragons JJ Dillon into the scene. JJ promptly tears up the duck's orders and tells Scotty like he was told him at Road World if he does not wrestle tonight, he is forever barred from WCW. Mean G does a little executive committee, um, executive committeeing of his own, and changes the strip to say that Scotty must win or else he's banned for life. So what the fuck is going on? Are we actually going to see Scott Steiner versus Rick Steiner tonight? I hope so more than anything else in the world. There is Ralphus who's gone to have fame in WCW on Jericho's. And it looks like Jericho is going to make his grand entrance. He's just looking in catering for a second. It's not the right door, no. Which way is it? What a huge opportunity tonight. Jericho Goldberg. Jericho could well walk out of here. WCW champion. Jericho's getting ready for his opportunity. Banging on all the doors. Oh, no, that's the outside. Jericho's gone the wrong way. He will find his way out eventually. Well, is Jericho even going to make it out of here? Well, here he comes. Finally. Finally. And it looks in great shape as he gets the adulation from the crowd. <laughs> Jericho. <laughs> well, the Goldberg fireworks might not be working for him. <laughs> He's not happy about that. It's more like a Gilberg entrance than a Goldberg <laughs> entrance. And Jericho getting all this time on the paper as well. It's quite good to see him come out here. But there's loads of Jericho-holics in the crowd. Oh, my God. Here we go. And here's how you do the Goldberg entrance. Well, what does Goldberg stand at now, Dan? 141 and 0. And here he comes. World Heavyweight Champion. And the fireworks are going off. They're more focused on the crowd. Oh, no. We get something now. Here we go. We now Goldberg comes out of the fire, and it's Goldberg. Is that Goldberg? That's not Goldberg. You sure? Has he just got a little bit smaller? I'm positive that's not Goldberg. Oh, here he comes. He's got a title around his waist, and uh, he might be ready for some action. But well, he didn't say anybody in cheap sheet, cheap seats will think that is Goldberg. It's not, but Jericho giving him a bit of space, showing him respect, and the referee's tooling Goldberg. I don't remember that last time round, but I do you know what is weird? Jericho and Goldberg face to face. He towers over him, but you can see how nervous Jericho is. I never thought Jericho was that tall than Goldberg. 
Oh, I didn't either. Well, here we go. Jericho is worried. Beated. 143 and 0. Oh, my God. Jericho wins the first test of strength. That never happens. Well, Goldberg may be a little bit off at the moment. It's a big match for him. Another kind of a tie-up, and Goldberg now gets the arm. <gasps> no. Jericho with a clothesline. Well, the fans here are shocked. Jericho with a suplex. Fakeberg's getting dominated. Oh, no. Goldberg, I imagine, to kick out. Oh. Well, the fans chant for Goldberg. I don't think he can get back into this match at the moment. Here he comes. Spear. 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 What comes after the spear, Dan? Oh, big boot from Jericho, evidently. Well, Jericho got to his feet quick. Well, we've never seen him to get up from a spear. And now Jericho slapping around Goldberg. Going to try and put him in the line tamer. Oh, Goldberg taps. The streak is over, Dan. It's a, oh my God, Jericho is your new WCW World Champion. Okay, Mark Rollins. What? It, it just got the... James the Mark Rollins. <laughs> what? That's Goldberg. You're more Mark than Mark Tardis with a room full of Marks. Look, I think you find Jericho. And I think you'll find that that's not Goldberg and you know it's not Goldberg. Well, Jericho now has two championships. One, he's just ripped the straps off. Well, why did he just throw it? That's what the title means to him. It means nothing because he's television champion and the TV champion is better than world champion now. Jericho just proven that. What a shock here. When I started watching this pay-per-view, I never thought Jericho would beat Goldberg. And in record time as well. I'm impressed. Jericho, the most dangerous man in WCW at this moment in time. What did you think of the match? I think you're a tool. <laughs> First and foremost. Um, it, is, it is good and good advancement from Jericho. You know, you can't go... Far from that, you know, the way it's been played out. But then, like, you know, you've had fakes before, haven't you? And you're, we'll have fakes again. Well, yeah, this is the thing. I mean, the, this is the first real fake Goldberg. Uh, we had, you know, we've had fake, loads of fake stings in WCW. Uh, but the thing is, it needs a payoff. You need to see Jericho versus Goldberg down the line at a pay for you. And it's incredible Goldberg didn't appear. And he's not going to be featuring here tonight as WCW world champion. Well, he's not even scheduled to feature here at all. Well, meanwhile, Rick Steiner is back at the internet position. Lee Marshall and his moustache lob a few softballs at Rick about Big Pop Pump. Rick says he's watching his brother all these years of their matches and he knows his brother's weaknesses. So Scott better look out. What? Did Rick just say retrospectively that he was preparing to turn heel on his brother years ago? Anyway, Tanae, as representative of WCW International TV, is with the Armstrong brothers, Scott and Steve even doing on pay-per-view i understand cat intervenes and says where's all the tv time for the free time karate champ cat beats up both only for smiling norman smiley to pull him away cat what's your problem you can't dance with me i'm the greatest are you crazy well in the case you were left wondering why we started the pay-per-view with the cat that was the reason because he beat up the armstrongs for those of you scoring at home that's two pay-per-view segments for the cat and zero for Goldberg. So you make that free. The cat is in action now versus smiling Norman Smiley. Uh, what are your thoughts on Norman Smiley? We haven't really discussed him. Do you know a lot about him? What are your thoughts? Who? Norman Smiley? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I think he could have um, 
I think he was a bit past his career at this point. You know, he's he's getting on a bit at this time. Um, yeah, he wasn't a terrible worker. I think he was a solid mid-carder. Yeah, no, I like the wiggle. I always thought that was quite entertaining. Uh, and I like the history of him as well. You know, going back into the days where he used to be in World of Sport and coming up through there. And uh, a lot of... Uh, a lot of technical stuff that he did back in the day that maybe wouldn't do as much in WWE. We'd have bits and pieces. But I think mean, I was a fan of Norma Smiley. The cat, on the other hand, I don't really need him. You know, like a karate champion and stuff like this. Not the he calls himself the greatest. He's kind of got the Muhammad Ali gimmick, and for me, it just doesn't work. You know, he's not the really greatest worker. And if you look at WCW over the next couple of years, even before the later days, Cat in himself was uh, featured very heavily. And um, do you know who's currently working as a trainer for NXT? Smiley? Well, it wouldn't surprise me, because that's how, uh, you know, uh, well thought of he is. You know, people like Bobby Brookside are now working there now as well. He was known as Prime Time, the Black Magic. (laughs) He made his debut in 85, trained by Carl Gotch, Boris and Dean Malenko. He's from London, England. He is um, best best known for his time in uh, Mundell de Lucha Libre, where he held the world heavyweight title. Oh, is he still wrestling now? Is he retired? He's retired. Ernest Miller retired in two thousand and four. Made his debut in ninety seven. He actually did make it to the main. He made it to WWE in the end. I think he had the Rumble, didn't he? And he had that weird yeah. guy who came out with him and got his hair which thrown off first, and then got chucked out. As an actor, he's. Best known for his role in the 2008 drama The Wrestler. Miller was then a karate instructor and was teaching Bischoff's son Garrett when Bischoff asked him to become a wrestler. Made his debut in 97 to 99. He was commissioner to 2001. I know, yeah, it's featured a bit heavily. Well, Cat is on the microphone because he needs even more promo time to not get over. Cat says, by law, he has to warn Smiley that he could tear him apart in five seconds. Fortunately, Cat pulls a race car to make you a brother like I'm a brother. He gives Smiley five seconds to get out of his ring. I fucking hate shit like this. He turns his back to Smiley, starts counting, and Smiley turns him back round, starts the punches, and this match is going to get underway. Smiley taking the Cat to the outside. He's got one over on him, but no, the Cat with a karate kick to the face, and then sending Smiley into barricade. And the cat throwing Smiley in, looking to end it. Cat with a palm strikes. And now the kicks to the face. Some more strikes, but Smiley fight back now. Shot to the chest, gets up. But the cat cuts him off. A couple of chops to the chest and a kick. Irish whip. Oh, and a double palm strike to the throat, is that? Yeah, look that way. I mean, a cat, very different in his style. Not the good way. And now he's got the knees to Smiley. I mean, the cat, people maybe could say he was ahead of his time. You know, if you look at all the MMA fighters that we got now and all this kind of styles. Potentially, yes. I mean, I'm going to say shit. <laughs> I mean, other people might say he might fit in more now than he did back then. I think the Smiley, I think he's got enough about him. Nice leg drop. because kind of flips his way back up. Elbows down. Is he wearing his black magic trunks? I think he is. Irish whip to the cat. Sends him into the corner, but the cat has had enough. He's begging for mercy. And the cat motions, fist up, we all know what that means. And rake to the eye. Nation of domination. 
Yeah, let's say that. That's easy. <laughs> and then goes down low. And a cat more in four rows than he is. Capitalising Norman Smiley. He looks like one of the Wines brothers. <laughs> he does Look a little bit, face. actually. Yeah, no, he does. And that's not a racial slur before anyone calls me out on it. It is just an observation. Hmm. And I think um, Norman Smiley. Don't even, don't even. <laughs> don't. Just don't. <laughs> All right, he's getting caught in the corner by the cat. We had the most controversial last week, didn't we? The cat now with the elbow to Smiley. And now Smiley's got hold of the cat. He's going to slam him down. I mean, this is really not a pay-per-view worthy match, is it? You know, I was a bit disappointed. It's not even a Nitro worthy match. No. Coming off the excitement of SummerSlam, you really think WCW might respond with something else. But we're getting this at this moment. But Smiley is in control. Cat's head off the top turn, Buckle. Now Smiley going to try and suplex the cat. Oh, vertical. Holding it. Well, nice power by Smiley. Sends the cat down. Goes for the cover. Only managing a two count. Two. And now Smiley backing up the cat in the corner. And there is a lot of empty seats. I've noticed some in the first match. And now, I don't know if it's a case of they're not sold the seats, even though Tony's told us we've sold out, or the fact they're just waiting for the main event. Cat's on the top now, turns around with a kick. It's probably the best move he does. Doesn't connect with it, though. Therein lies the problem. Hits the punch to the face, and now he's going to try it again. There you go. Another spinning heel kick. Takes out Smiley. Goes for the cover. One, two, three. And it is all over. Thankfully, it is over. Dan Fultz. Uh, it wasn't the greatest of matches now, was it? It was, you know, it was hardly a pay-per-view worthy, but as a filler match, you know. Well, it, I like to call it the jizzly shits because, you know, when, you know, you know it's really bad one that kind of goes everywhere, this is what it felt like. Uh, and I would want to see it again. And the cat's still on the fucking microphone. How much time? He might call himself the greatest. Get the fuck out of there. Give someone else time. Uh, Smiley's the only thing that saved it there. But I am not happy about the start of this supposedly pay-per-view. Uh, let's hope things pick up next. So we all know how this feud started. Rick getting turned on by Scott at Super Bowl. So we actually get the promo video for the Scott versus feud, which started in February. And, I mean, we've had many a turn to it. Who can remember that time on Nitro where Scott came out in crutches and said to Rick he wanted to actually be a Steiner brother before being turned on like that, eh? What about the time Scott Buff came out and mocked him for being a fucking idiot? What about that time Rick hit Scott with a chair and also the time... A road wild when Scott out on a stretcher. But if he doesn't fight tonight, he's barred from wrestling. For life. For life. For life. For life. It is brother versus brother. 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 So here we go. Well, he doesn't look injured now as Buff worships the ground. Big Papa Pomp walks on. Freaks it as out and showed his muscles. And after all this time, all this build, people say we might have forgotten or not cared about this feud anymore. But we are eventually going to get Scott versus Rick. And JJ maybe should have put his foot down and said that Buff Bagwell won't be allowed at ringside. But I think at least he gets Scott to the ring. And that would be good. 
Do you think Scott Starling's improved since he's changed his look? Not at all, no. He's still... I think he's got worse, actually. He's <laughs> less able to do many moves. He really has kind of given up on what he does. The NWO have definitely got a certain uh, style they wrestle, shall we say. Not good. And, and why leave a tag team in Rick if you're going to start one with Buff? Do you know what I mean? Just turn the Steiners heel. That's the, that could have been your solution there. What do I know? Yes. Um, but we are going to see it. The dog face gremlin, Rick Steiner. I've never been a huge fan of Rick Steiner, Dan. Am I wrong? No, you've definitely never been a big fan of Rick Steiner. <laughs> Am I wrong. wrong for not being a fan of him? No, you're not. No. Well, he's coming out here now. I just never really got Rick Steiner, really. The dog-faced gremlin. Always a weaker of the Steiners. But he's getting a bit of reaction here. And he's been the face in this feud as well, which would help him normally, but not against the NWO. Buff rubbing up Scott to start this match. Well, we know Scott's got a temper, but Rick can go as well. And he's been a bit more held back recent times, maybe you would say. But he's ready to get his hands on his brother. And Scott's going to take as much time as he can. Big Papa Pump gets in the ring. And now finally we go. Both men striking. This is what we want to see for so long. And Rick... Scott trading. I think Rick's coming out on top now. And the reaction, Scott versus Irish Whip. Dodges a Steiner line. Rick hits a Steiner line of his own. The fans are finally up. Big elbow drop. And he's just wailing away on his brother's head. Well, this finally feels like a fucking paper after all this time. Rick, again, shot to the head of Scott. And there's nothing Buff could do at the moment. All these bumps, all the anger pent up. Scott sends Rick headfirst into the turnbuckle. Had no effect. Rick's knocking Scott goofy at the moment. Irish whip and Scott steps outside for a breather. Away from Rick. Easier said than done. Rick Steiner sending Scott to Barry Kane. And Scott going into the crowd. Big right hand. And then he catches him again. Scott Steiner's in really big trouble at this moment in time. Might have a lot of NW fans there in the crowd. But they're not going to get in the way of Rick. Now Rick bringing Scott in a hard way. Rick with a right hand, sending Scott Steiner back in the ring. Buff now has got hold of Rick's boot. Gives him a slight distraction. Buff laughing, but Rick's see here. Goes for the suplex. Oh. Oh, and not one, but two low blows while the referee was distracted by Buff the stuff. Well, that was before the uh, that was after the eye rake as well. So Scott getting all the dirty tactics he's needs taking advantage. Buff telling referee Scott hit him with an elbow. And now Scott's taken over with a boost to the face. And now Scott Steiner's got Rick on the outside. Bouncing his head off the steel steps. That one certainly had effect. And then into Barry Cade, yeah, I would say. Rick is in a bit of trouble now. Back in the ring. Rick's struggling to get to his feet. Scott's standing tall. I don't get wrong. He's impressive physically. Negates what you do in the ring. Then, you know what I mean? That's bad. And this is what's happened. The bigger Scott gets gets the less he moves around and does the stuff that he used to as a tag team he's uh taunting at the moment and now he's got rick i mean you see him before he was great at suplexes he was a suplex machine but yeah. now he can barely do anything without having to flex and he looks just so out of shape even though he's built like a shit out and the thing is, yeah it looks like his muscle rumbling against each other to cause him pain as well well scott going suplex gets stopped by rick Rick going up second rope to maybe turn, uh, hit the bulldog. 
But Buff got up to stop it. Well, the distraction was long enough for Scott to recover. Throws Rick to the outside again. Bounces his head off the ring post. This has been blow for blow so far. Both men can't seem to suplex each other at the moment. And Buff's in a bit of trouble. Uh, he's distracting the ref. And now Rick is battering Scott Steiner into the corner. The referee's back up and Scott pushes away Rick. He goes to check on Buff. Uh, and Buff must be injured yet again. He's saying his neck's hurt. Oh, not again. I mean, how many times does the NWO have to fuck around with this kind of thing? You know, I mean, Scott Steiner's checking him. We've got a match going here. And the fans definitely... <laughs> I'm voicing an opinion about it, saying we want Flair early and bullshit right now. Well, doctors, trainers, doctors, EMTs down. So this might be a serious injury that he's got. Or it could just be bullshit. And they're checking now. I mean, they can't. Surely. Don't call me Shirley. But it is bullshit. Well, they're checking on him and this does not look good at the moment. And he's getting on the stretcher now. I mean, this is taking nearly te- five, ten minutes. You've got to take as long as you can to get him on there. I mean, the match is is over now because we're working, you know, make sure Buff Bagwell's okay. And now they're stretching up. You know what's going to happen, didn't you? You, you, you? If this is the problem from watching it this year, <laughs> we know what is just about to happen as Scott Steiner is stretching Buff away. As Rick's going on with it as well. I mean, this whole kind of work shoot type of thing that they've got, where, you know, serious injuries. This is a problem why people didn't blood died or, or when other people get seriously hurt because you, you mess around with it, you know. It's I, like the boy who cried wolf. Exactly. You know, when it does actually happen, maybe there are ways of doing it, but I, I just can't agree with it. You get stretched back. Like I say, this is taking a long time. And what were your thoughts on the match? I mean, I didn't mind the match. It didn't really get started, though, did it? You know? No, it started to pick up steam, and then, obviously, this bullshit angle happened. Mm. And then we just got bossy yep. shit. Camera's just fucking waiting. Pay-per-view time still being wasted. Mm-hmm. So we've seen one proper match, really. Uh, a squash match, uh, angle advancement, and now another angle in this one. I wonder if match five can improve, and Rick... He's going out with Scott and the doctors to the ambulance. And the commentators, of course, got their uh, serious voice. Well, he's even breaking kayfabe by going out there. Yeah. Sod the wrestling. Hope he's okay. Well, Buff Bagwell's had many injury. As he's struggling to get on the ambulance. And he'll call his mum. And maybe have on the pole next year as well. <laughs> well, you know, we, we talk about WCW for its faults, but... Obviously, I can say now that this is a um, uh, serious thing that's happened at pay-per-view and ruined a good match. But like we say, uh, it's not WCW's fault. And Rick making sure they're all right. There we go. Amber's door shut. You know, it's just a, a shame that it happened here. But hopefully move on. Rick is a bit distraught, of course. And oh, for fuck's sake. I've come <laughs> running out the back of the ambulance and just beat Rick down. I didn't even shut the fucking ambulance doors properly. Oh, for fuck's sake. How many times do you play the same card? You didn't fool me, Buff. Maybe the first time you did it, not this time. 
15 minutes of pay-per-view time. Absolutely wasted. Made a full... They just made a fool out of themselves. My God. Heck, mine got. <laughs> so, can we actually get some proper fucking wrestling on this pay-per-view as we continue War Games? And up next, it's Silver King, so that means it's Cruiserweight title time. Surely... Don't call me Shirley. This has to improve now. Silver King versus Hoovy for the Cruiserweight Champion. I mean, Silver King coming out here. The Mexican Cowboy. How we can we can forget exactly who Silver King is? And here comes the G- Cruiserweight Champion. I mean, I'm a bit there and there when it comes to Juventud Guerrero. Because I think he's g- good. I don't think he's as good as he thinks he is. Plus, the attitude here, the attitude here, the attitude you hear about him that he had backstage wasn't great, you know. And I know he had the mask. Maybe that would have worked more. Bischoff wanted him off there. And uh, getting his push now as Cruiserweight Champion and beating Jerko. Jerko had a really long reign with that and the man responsible for taking his mask in the first place. So, I don't know. Maybe he could just need to sort it out. What are your thoughts on the Hoovy? Yeah, you know, I think he summed up. He's he thinks he's better than he actually is. You know, he's he's not really a mic worker. He's he's you know he's solid in the ring, but he's nothing special. Yeah, um, yeah. Is that he's, he's no Rey Mysterio, is he? You know, if you talk about that. Nah, hopefully Silver Dollar can take it. What's his name? Silver. Silver King. Silver King. Yeah. Hopefully Silver King can uh, get a decent match out of him. Well, we'll see what happens here. I mean, we got Charles Robinson, so thank God. We get some normality back to this place. Cruiserweight title match. I always feel with WWE you should start the paper off with a cruiserweight title match. Get the fans involved straight away. Those chairs are still empty on the left hand side and there's still a few on the right. There's actually quite a few fucking empty seats. For a pay per view. Maybe they're just out getting drinks. They don't know this has started yet. Because I don't know where top start. Silver King for a cruiserweight. Pretty chunky, I would say. I don't think he's in the 205 live <laughs> limit. <laughs> it's like it's his top half, though. He's kind of like really broad and wide and stout. Exactly. Here's his handle. And there you just saw he's stout. Now the King and Hoove. Go on, get us. I dare you to have a wrestling match that I want to watch. I <clears> dare <throat> you. Hoove whips down Silver King. Did King just say I, I, I? He did, right. That's not me being racist. Nice. Well, he's nipping about. A lovely <laughs> drop kick there. Yeah, well, I'll is take he doing that. Alberto Del Rio whistle as well. I think he is. Yeah. Chant to the fans. But the juice nips up. Says right where you got me. Let's have it. Kick to the midsection. A chop to the chest. By Juve, but Silver King responds. Calf kick and a response from Juve again. In the match, Juve with a hurricane runner taking Silver King to the outside, showing what he can do. Now both men chasing each other around. Juve springballs back in. Another hurricane runner. Juve's definitely got some speed about him. Nice clothesline to Silver King. What's that, my love? Goes for a cover. Oh, but it's kind of a lackadaisical cover there. Yeah, I think he was just trying to take the energy out as opposed to finishing him off. I think Silver King, even though we've only seen him a few times... Still got a little bit more fight left in him. Silver King reverses Yarish Whip. And lovely pop-up drop kick. Anything interesting about Silver King that you know, Dan? Well, he's the youngest <laughs> wrestler 
to be known as world champion in Mexico at the age of 18. Wow, that is incredible. And look at that there by Silver King. Like an airplane spin. Let him go of him. And Juve hits that top rope throat first. And he's whistling again. Going on the second turnbuckle. But he's only taught that this time. Tilt a world backbreaker. Goes for the cover, but Juve managed to kick out. Ah. Cesar. Kuthemek. <laughs> Gonzalez Baron. Uh, he's still alive. He also had an extensive stint as Black Tiger 3, the third incarnation of the Black Tiger character. He's the son of luchador Dr. Wagner and the brother of Dr. Wagner Jr. Gonzalez worked for many years with Al Texano as the tag team Lost Cowboys. Well, Silver King there just hit a verified muscle buster on Hoovy, dropped to his knees with the impact. This he's 50 years old, so he'd have been 30. He looks a lot older than that here. I went to, but so then I'm 32 and I'm yeah, not that old. Exactly. He looks about 45, 20 years ago. He made his debut <laughs> November 1985. Well, there we go. What a great year and time that was, Dan, eh? Indeed. And Silver King goes flying to the outside, taking out Juventud Guerrero. And at this moment in time, Silver King might be a slight betting favourite to take home the Cruiserweight title. He's got the look in his eyes tonight. But we know about the... So, go on. I've got to have a little fun fact. Got him. In 2005, Gonzalez was cast as a villain opposite Jack Black's character in the Paramount Pictures production, Nacho Libre. Oh. In the film, Gonzalez wears a golden mask and outfit and plays a top luchador known as Ramses. After the movie opened, Gonzalez wore the golden outfit at least once during the defence of his UWA World Junior Light Heavyweight Championship. I did not know that. Very impressive. Silver King there. A little bit of a botch because he went to slam Juve up over. And I think Guerrero's meant to go for the sunset flip. Missed off. But what they're going to do, they're just going to try it again now. Silver King. <laughs> no, no, no. They've decided against it. Chopped to the face. And you can see Silver King talking to Hooven, dude. Picks him up. Oh, there we go. Hooven turns it into a hurricane on a pin. But somehow Silver King kicks out. Ah. Hooven <clears throat> up the clothesline down Kings. Hooven screams, come on. We talk about his toughness, determination, going against Raven's flock and not giving up. Pushes off Hooven. Gets Irish ripped in the corner. Throws Hooven on the apron. Shoulder to the midsection. Hands him down. Going up. Beautiful missile drop kick. Both men are a bit spent after this high octane bout. Juve goes for the cover, but Silver King managing to get his shoulder up at two. Two. Well, it has been the best match of the night. I suppose that's something. Silver King Irish whipping Juve. Juve going between the legs, oh. but getting caught with a super kick. <laughs> King going. Oh. oh. But the juice just managing to kick out. Ah. Now King may be showing a bit of his frustration there. 2001, he was 46th best wrestler out of 500 by PWI. That's not bad, so he did improve as he got on then. Yes, mm. but then he got worse because in 2003 he was 76th. Silver King, Irish whipping, Hoover in the corner going for the splash. Hoover dodges out the way. Now Silver King finds himself on the second turnbuckle. Hoover going up to the top. Oh. Reverse Hurricane Rana <laughs> sends Silver King to the mat. One, two, two th- oh! oh. <laughs> well, Silver King just managing to kick out. Ah, that is not a move you see every day. Very impressive. And now 
Guerrero signaling for his gigantic penis. Either that or the Hoovy driver picks up Silver King. No, Silver King turns it into a pin. Small package. Oh. Just managing a two, though. Two. And now King has got a hold of Hoovy. Snap suplex. Looking to go up, maybe. Second. Oh! Springboards from second to the top, looking for a moonsault, but the juice moves out the way. Now picks up Silver King. Hoovy drive. Yes! It was in the corner. Well, we know what's next for Hoovy. He loves using the 450. The inverted oh. 054. <laughs> what hit the move. Beautiful there by Humidu Guerrero. And the juice keeps his title. Wow. I think that's quite a good match, Dan. What are your thoughts? Definitely the best match of the night so far. Followed closely by Jericho versus Goldberg. Yeah, oh, Jericho Goldberg. My God, that was a shock of the night, I know. But it's always good. Uh, the reverse Hurricane Runner, I really liked off the top. And the 450 hit like that, with the amount of speed that he gets, is an impressive-looking move as well. Obviously not as impressive as 630, but still, uh, he's really, really good. Hoover gets his defence. And Silver King, I might now go and hunt down me a little bit of Silver King to see what else he'd done, just not in 2003. He was wrestling up in 2010. That's the last... Uh, I don't know if he's wrestled after that, but... But he's still around. He's still alive, isn't yeah. he? He's not... Oh, he's still alive. Yeah. He's only 50 years old. Oh, there we go then. So that's all good for Silver King. And Hoovy gets the victory as we move on. My name, yes, my name is, my name's Alberto. Well, meanwhile, Lee Marshall wants to know how, about how Conan feels fighting his former stable mate, Scott Hall. Conan alludes to his well-known drinking problems and Hall interrupts with a beer cup in hand. Hall throws a beer at him and now it's on. Yes, in case you didn't know, this is when WCW tried blurring the lines between bringing Hall's very real battles with alcohol into a storyline, just like WWF are doing with Hawk at the moment. Just like WWF did the previous year with Jake Wesley. Stay classy. Exactly. Alcoholism is fun. Well, up next, it is the Ravens Rules match. And it's Raven going against Saturn. And, I mean, the flock... I just want to say, you know... Um, it is a Ravens Rules match, of course. And if Saturn wins, the flock is disbanded. If Saturn wins, the flock is disbanded. If Ravens win, if Raven wins, Saturn is his slave for the rest of his career. Yeah, so, I mean, that is something possibly we could see here tonight. And um, Saturn has had such a major impact, major, major impact, impact. on uh, the, the flock. We've seen the flock when we start watching it. They're basically just kind of NWO light, weren't they? Going around doing their own thing. They got squashed by Goldberg, which I quite enjoyed. But then, what's happened since we've well, seen... Well, we've got a special added stipulation. Canyon is going to be handcuffed to the turnbuckle so he can't interfere. And another, that's what I was just about to mention. Canyon has been involved recent times as well, getting involved in the flock. Saturn kind of wanted to give him the kind of freedom outside of it. And he kind of got shunned by it. And he looks at Raven... In a different light, like kind of his mentor, whatever it is, you know, when you kind of get that. So to have Canyon out of this will be good. But Saturn now involved in Raven. I'm surprised Raven wasn't moved on for more. But Saturn involved, this should be a good match. And uh, Doug De- making sure it's locked. Referee's got the key in his hand. There's a lot of filler in this pay-per-view. I We've literally cut out like 15 minutes. Like t- about 20 minutes of shit. 
And we're still waiting for Sat to get out here. Lodi's in the ring at the moment. Messiah says, let's end up. And here comes the sirens, which means Saturn's in the building. And he's been getting a positive response from the crowd. The former army ranger. Let's not forget, you know, Saturn partly eliminated in ECW as well. A very respected tag team coming out here, changing his... What he looked like in Raven's Flock, you know, with the jeans and the, the he had short hair back then. So the kind of Saturn that people know about as the radicals in WF. He says, Saturn's embarrassed him for far too long. And tonight, you're going to be my slave for life. Quote the Raven. Never more. He said, it doesn't matter if he wins or loses tonight. He'll still keep his integrity until he goes to the WWE and gets given moppy. But here we go. It's Saturn versus Raven here tonight. Doric in the corner. Saturn wants him to get up and start fighting. Saturn's got a hold of Raven. And Raven turns him round. Flapjacks him. On that top turbuckle. Goes for the cover. Saturn managing to kick out. Oh. Raven didn't even have his jacket off. He didn't jack it off. And now he has. Going to the, put the boots on Saturn. Right in the corner where Canyon is. I ship to the opposite corner. Followed up quickly by Raven. He just throws his shoulder into the midsection of Saturn. Oh, Raven. Aiming on Saturn and then coming in with a running knee. Putting Saturn down. He's in a little bit of trouble there going. Saturn's going to take his time. Uh, Raven's going to take his time. It's his rules match. <coughs> Slap to the chest. You gained any more uh, love for Raven since going back and watching him, or do you still think he's? I don't know. He's. I don't know. I'll just. I'll study him, and I'll yeah. come back to you. Well, Saturn gets up to his feet. And slams down Raven, goes to the cover. Raven managing to kick out. Ah. And Saturn trying to bring it early. Inverted atomic drop from Saturn. Springboard crossbody. Lovely. One, two. Oh. Only a two count. Two. Saturn is bald as a sign. Lodi's uh, showing up. That's great. As Saturn slams down Raven. You can call Saturn bald, but you can't call Hogan bald. Exactly. Oh, my God. Lovely splash off the top by Saturn. Oh, and Lodi's jumped up on the ring apron. Well, but Raven still managed to kick out. Ah. But that distraction let Raven in. Raven's just gone to the outside, looking to take Saturn out of the ring the hard way. But Saturn managed to fight back. And Raven... Oh, chest first into Barry Cade. Well, he went flying. Nothing Canyon can do. Lodi's checking on him. And here comes Saturn... Oh, flying over the top of a crossbody, taking out both Lodi and Raven. Saturn's psyched up. He screams at Canyon, but he's on top of things at the moment. Might be time to get the flock out of here. Oh, and Lodi's grabbed Saturn. Saturn's on the apron. Oh, now Lodi sent Saturn into Barry Cat. <laughs> well, a little bit of payback, and to be fair, Saturn did strike Lodi first, so... Well, it is a Ravens Rules match, so anything goes. Uh, referee's checking on Saturn. Raven dropping the elbow onto the throat of Saturn. Saturn draped over the ring. Bill, did you inhale? Uh, Lodi there taking a shot at Clinton. Raven on the apron. Comes in. Snap there. We're going to see Raven taking a risk maybe to the second rope. And the elbow drop. Not going to go for the cover though. He's going to try and dish out more punishment. Walked along the second rope there to deliver the elbow. 
Hooked his leg for a cover, but only getting a two count. Two. Raven Irish whip reversed by Saturn. Sunset flip, but Saturn rolls through. Goes for the cover on Raven. Ooh. But Raven managing to kick out. Ah, Raven's first to recover, though. Hits Saturn with a huge clothesline. Turns him inside out. And what is Lodi looking for underneath the ring? Oh, here comes Doug Dillinger. Needs to keep an eye on his head of security. Why, Bill? Why? <laughs> Why did you lose to Jericho? Raven, Irish ripping Saturn again. Got a sleeper locked in now. Saturn could be falling asleep and then he'll be Raven's slave forever. If Raven could do whatever he wants to do, Saturn realises that. Jawbreaker. At least get some separation, maybe try and get his breath back. See, now this could be misconstrued if Saturn was black. Yes, it would be, yeah, if... If he was to become there. But Sat- is Saturn... Saturn is just white, then, isn't he? Yeah. He's just tanned. Yeah. Right, okay. I'm never sure with Perry Saturn, because he does tan well. And again, I don't want to come across as that being racist either, but they did it in WF, didn't they, with Virgil? So I think with Saturn, they're kind of safe. Raven now just having his way with Saturn. Snapmare, snapmare. Oh, but a roll-up by Saturn, only getting a two-count. Two... Now, is this all Saturn can manage in his offense? He's just trying to go for the sneaky roll-up and get the victory. You'd think it'd be more of a vendetta that Saturn had against Raven. He wants to end it decisively, like rather opposed to that. But if he was to get the flock out of the way, then it would just maybe leave Raven to fend for himself. Well, side Russian leg sweep, rolled through by Raven, hits the second one. And now he's just got a front mount going for a cover. Saturn kicks out. Oh, Saturn moving his arms now to test his strength. Raven on top. Saturn bridging out. And again, Saturn bridging out, puts his knees down. Oh, and as he went to jump up, Saturn's leg inadvertently hit Raven. Well, white and Natalie whacker. Yes, and that's enough to slow any man down. Especially Alex Wright, yeah? Well, if Alex Wright was there, he'd be down for a couple of years. Like, it would be like that Buff Bagwell sequence all over again. Raven comes running in with a shoulder block. Do you reckon they get a neck brace on his cock? As well? <laughs> yeah, his cock brace. <laughs> anyway. Slowly put him into five or six stretches. <laughs> oh. Four for him, four for his cock. Exactly. <laughs> Raven getting a hand in a steel chair. We've seen Raven use this before. Irish Whip's going to go for the drop toe hold. Oh. Oh, Raven's head was nowhere near... Uh, Saturn's head was nowhere near it, but he's selling it like he's been shot. He slapped that chair hard with his hand. <laughs> he he did. There you go, impact. The fans just seem a bit bored, really. Oh, oh here we someone's go. Someone's coming. Hey, it's Riggs and... Um, Horace. Horace. Nephew of the Hulk. And they're bringing out the table. Oh, and sick boy as well. Kidman's on the top. Referee can't see this. Oh! Takes out Raven. What the flock? Kidman has betrayed the flock. And he's running out of there. <laughs> yeah. Well, he wanted no part of that. Satin up. Death Valley driver. Can he capitalise and get the cover? Rolls into it. Referee's distracted though by Lodi. One... To oh, well, the distraction was long enough from Lodi to 
give Raven enough time to kick out. Ah. Well, Saturn barely in it, and that might have been his best shot. But if my memory serves me correctly, the table's set up at ringside now. Oh, your memory's got to be terrible if you don't forget that being set up. It was only like about 40, 50 seconds ago. <laughs> yeah, but this is WCW. They could have just completely forgotten. I don't know where the rest of the flock have gone. I see Canyon and Lodi at the moment. Well, they got the flock of Skidman. And Ravens recovered quicker after being on the receiving end of a Death Valley driver. Well, that's how much punishment Saturn has taken. Raven going for clothesline. Lovely suplex there. And Saturn there dodged it. Hit the exploder. It's got Raven again. Belly to belly overhead. And Saturn's on fire. And showing some passion. Now straight shots to the head. Scoop slam. Springboard. Twisted leg drop. Two. Oh. Oh. Raven getting his shoulder up at two. Two. Full Canaro. Well, yeah. Saturn there. Michinoku driver-esque. Slamming Raven down. But Raven's showing his toughness now. Satanoku driver. <coughs> Raven was dead weight, but managed to get a small package roll up. Only getting a two count. Two. It's him now trying to get away from... Trying, oh. Just trying to get easy pinfalls. Satan's got the rings locked in. He's cool. Satan, that was brilliant transition into it. Oh, but Lodi breaking it up. Well, Odie pulled him off. Preventing the breakup of the flock. And now Raven is holding Saturn. He wants Lodi to go up. I can't see how this could go wrong. A low blow from Saturn. Crutches <laughs> Lodi. Canyon's helpless. Saturn gets Irish whip. Reverse back again. Oh, takes out the ref inadvertently. And the referee's got the keys in the pocket. And that's what Canyon's looking for right now. Canyon picking the pocket of the ref. And he's going to escape from the cuffs. The referee's down. There's no security at the moment. Now Canyon's in. Picks up Saturn. Hits him with a downward spiral. Pulls Raven on Saturn. Referee's still down. And Canyon's going to handcuff himself back again. So the referee doesn't know. Oh, the referee just got locked stupid. And all he can see is a handcuff Canyon. And Raven going for the cover to... Oh! Saturn managing to kick out. Oh! Now, Canyon's put himself back in the handcuffs. He thought it was it. Now he's stuck again. Saturn with another low blow. <coughs> and Lodi's still hung up on that top turnbuckle. This must be Shinsuke Nakamura's favourite pay-per-view. I mean, we've seen a few low blows. Saturn's got Lodi on his shoulders. Oh! Fucking hell. <laughs> Death Valley driver off the apron. Through the table. Takes Lodi out of commission. He just killed Lodi. Even flow DDT by Raven Low. That's Saturn came in. One, One two. two. Oh. Saturn managing to kick out. Ah. Jesus Christ. No one in WSW has ever kicked out of an even flow DDT. He's going for a second one. Saturn backs up in the corner. Death Valley Driver. One, two, three. And the flock is disbanded, and this is match of the night. Well, so far, what a great closing sequence that was there. 
actually made a bit of sense considering it was WCW. The victory, a lot, a lot of near falls as well. Really enjoyable. Yeah, what are your thoughts? I thought it was a bloody good match. All throughout the storytelling, you know, the switch and changes, like, you know, Billy Kidman turning his back on the flock. Did he know? Did he have an inkling that the flock was going to disband? You know, it's it's all these bits playing into it. He had, you know, Canyon handcuffed to the side, manages to get out, handcuffs himself up thinking he's won it for the flock, but unfortunately didn't. Well, it's like it's WSW actually storytelling paying off where they haven't done in the past. You know, the whole flock has been built up these past couple of months and we've seen Saturn's involvement in it along with Canyon. And then it finally had a payoff in this match with Saturn getting retribution against the group. The group is no more now. So that means, you know, Raven go about his business as Saturn can. Saturn looks like a star there. And I'm impressed with Raven. So what are your thoughts on Raven after that match? He is uh, he's very impressive. I'm not sure... If he's, you know, top top league, but he's definitely upper upper mid card. Yeah, I think it's definitely potential there. You know, you know, he's. If he was to have a run as heavyweight champion, it'd be a few months mm. at most. You know, and it it'd probably you know be swagger esque. Yeah, well, this is the thing, isn't it? But he never really got the. The proper opportunity in the WRF, and uh, we'll see how he goes back WCW as he's still getting woken up. You know, he could have made a very early Bray Wyatt. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's potential for the character and uh, the way he wrestles as well. We could be seeing all the hardcore stuff. It's a little bit different. He can actually put on a good match. We've seen a lot of matches on WCW paper this year. Raven's been involved in quite good ones, you know, like triple threat matches we saw down the line and stuff. So that's all good as we move on to our next match. And, I mean, we watched Nitro and we all saw what happened there. It was Henning versus Malenko in a steel cage up until Rick Rude and Stevie Ray came out to uh, upset the odds, you know. And, and Malenko didn't have anyone to help him until Arn Anson came out and the whole fucking place exploded. Arn Anson cleared the area and him and Malenko stood tall so tonight we are getting Kurt Henning versus Dean Malenko. I assume Rude will be in Henning's corner and hopefully Anderson will be in Malenko's. Yes, yeah, uh, yeah, you would have thought that. So yes, they went absolute banana on Nitro and we're going to get the match here tonight. They just showed the entire bit from uh, Nitro that we watched as well as build-up. And I think that's the difference between WWE and WWF as well at the moment. Where WWF would go about it, put some even music or a bit of commentary over the top of it to explain just for everybody what it was about. Whereas WCW would just play the clip and then be like, right, that's what everybody's going to explain. Then we saw on Thunder, Anderson and Malenko. So on Thunder, what did Anderson have to say to Malenko, Dan? Well, he said, if I could put these four fingers up... (laughs) Leave it. He would be honoured to call Dean Malenko a horseman. But he doesn't know if it's his decision or not. Four horsemen, one of the most uh, prolific groups in the history of professional wrestling. And another, now we're hearing the dreaded NWO music. It's black and white. It's Rude and Henning. And Rear. I mean, he's lost a little bit of weight and he's a handlebar moustache. I mean, he's, he's rivaling Dan Severing here, isn't he, you know? He is Rick the Mustache Road. Looking at present, here comes Kurt. So here comes the Iceman, no Arn Anderson. He's coming out here alone. But I don't think he's intimidated by Kurt Henning or Rick Rude. 
I mean, what do you think of Dean Malenko? I think going back and watching it, the fans are really behind him. He's quite a cool character. I think there's a lot of potential for Malenko. Well, hang on a minute before I get your thoughts on that. Malenko starts strong here. Is he's going straight after Kurt? Big right hands and now boots in the corner, taking Henning down. Henning's changed his attire. No more perfect esque, just the NWO shorts. And he's getting out of harm's way. But Malenko is not slowing down here tonight. <laughs> and a huge We Want Flair chant. Malenko putting Henning's leg on the barricade, drop kicking it, taking him down. Henning in serious trouble at the moment. Just getting booted by Malenko. Working that bad leg. You can see the knee brace around it. Rick Rue's taking his jacket off. And the referee's not having a lot of control here. Rue's trying to tap Malenko. Oh, he's getting worked over. Well, Malenko managed to dodge it. Now putting the boots to Rude. Henning escaping in the ring. But not for long. He's got the ring post. Oh, my God. Wraps a leg. I mean, Malenko started this strong. So what are your thoughts on Malenko then? Yeah, you know, he's he's not a terrible wrestler. He's a, he's a solid worker. Um, Personality-less, I think. Do you know, I, I would agree with you, but what we've seen the past few months, he's shown a little bit of fire. You know, when he came back and um, fought Jericho for the Cruiserweight title when he's in that mask... The fans were behind him, and he, he looked cool there. And now the storyline with a horseman. I know he's not the best on the mic, but I think the Iceman gimmick is at least to the gimmick. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think that's quite cool sometimes. Just a, you don't have to shout all the time. You know, you can just be quite cool, a bit like a killer in that way. Henning, who's been beaten up all this time, tries to slam Malenko, but with a damage to the leg. Gets dropped, and now Malenko with a... Punches to the face. It's been all Malenko here. And Malenko just twisting the leg of Henning. And Kurt has to poke him in the eye. Now Henning with a chop. First bit of offense he's probably had in this match. And Henning going straight to the leg. And Rick Rude has not been a factor yet in this match. Malenko's had him dealt with all the way. Pulls the leg out. And knee. He's maybe trying to take his cloverleaf. Oh. Double thumb to the eye. Now double axe smash from behind and Henning. One leg and all. Managing to kick down Malenko. Now that's a stupid move if you've got an injured leg. That is, yeah. Ramming his <laughs> face into both knees. Well, Henning with a bit more experience should know better there. See, again, at this point in his career, I think Kurt was just phoning it in. I mean, you see him in his WWF career as Mr. Perfect. I think that worked for him. Because he was a brilliant in-ring technician. Oh, yeah, this is the thing. and uh, But I don't think it's because he's phoned it in. I think it's the fact he's down. You know, the reason he stopped being Miss Perfect WF is because of the back injury. And now you can see, you know, he's not fully recovered from it with the other amount of injuries that he's got. The way his style was, let's not forget, you know, Mr. Perfect Curling was like a big bumping style, wasn't he? You know, diving around, the people, you know, comparing to Dolph Ziggler, wherever it was. When he got later on in his career, he tried it. But his body was just too broken down to continue. It's the same with Rick Rude. Rick Rude can't wrestle anymore, you know, because of an injury and he was retired. So it's quite a sad story in a way when you see Henning like this. Yes, they were getting the money in, but uh, it's, it's a case of like, I think Kurt would want to put on five-star matches, but just couldn't. You know what I mean? It's, it's, 
I think yeah, he's one of the so. few where people like, hey, cameraman falls over. People like Lex Luger or, or people like that, probably uh, Scott Steiner, they're phoning it in, whereas Henning just can't do it. And with someone like Malenko, it's a bit it's a bit upsetting because you imagine Mr. Perfect versus Dean Malenko. Oh, that'd be an awesome, exactly. very technical match. Malenko just beating down on Henning, sending him back in. <laughs> so can he be the second radical to win in a row? He might be. We're crazy how many radicals we've seen. Henning is pleading with Malenko, dropkick. A little bit of history, actually, for Kurt Henning. Maybe Malenko's given a bit of payback, slams it back in the middle of the ring. He's certainly been working over that leg and it suits into his game because he's going to be hopefully trying to finish it with the Texas Cloverleaf. But will there be a decisive finish before Malenko leafing? Well, this is the thing. The NWO do not like their men beaten. Rude up on the apron, kicked to the lower back of Malenko, slowed him down to get up and hit an elbow on the head. I should say it was last year at Full Brawl, 1997. It was the NWO, Buff Bagwell, Nash, Six and Conan. They beat Chris Benoit, Stephen Michael, Ric Flair, because Kurt Henning, instead of being a horseman, turned them on to the NWO. And now Malenko blocking Henning there. Looking for the fisherman suplex, but Malenko delivered one of his own. Bridges out, but Rude is in. Well, you would, you would say that was a perfect play by Malenko before Rude comes Who's coming it. down, though? Rude and Henning just beating him down. They're waiting for Flair. They uh, think Ric Flair's going to be there. Oh, my God. A double gut buster from Rude and Henning. It's not Flair. It's double A. He must have got waylaid at the back. Well, here comes the enforcer. Oh, it gets caught right by Rude straight away. And now Henning and Rude beating down on Anderson. And this is horrible. It's just an assault on the bad arm of Anderson. The bad arm Anderson. <laughs> oh, my God. That is bad. Anderson. They're mocking the horse down, double A. And now the NWO just getting out of there. So the fans upset. No flair. Well, they're talking about flair. Well, apparently, he's got an arm wrestling match on Thunder with the return of Ric Flair. If he can win the injured arm now, will he? Well, we all know about the uh, nerve damage, the operation he had in his hand. That's not going to help things. Well, it is two radical wins in a row. Yeah, Malenko wins by DQ. Don't get the victory. But our next pay-per-view is going to be WWE versus WCW uh, in October. Our Halloween special. What is our next pay-per-view in WWE versus WCW? It is Halloween Havoc. Yeah. 1998. Our special. We cannot wait to bring it to you. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be fun. We can't wait to see Hogan versus a warrior. Yeah. For life. But anyway, here we go. We're getting more wrestling. And um, I might take a little break now, considering what's on next. It's, it's not going to be good. Oh, my God. Well, here comes Vincent. By himself. He's waiting for... He's waiting for someone. Here we go. Scott Hall... But unfortunately, Scott Hall seems to have a beverage in his hand at the moment. Taking his time coming out here. A tag team tart around his waist. And Dan, he looks pretty wasted at the moment. Yes. <laughs> uh, he probably was majority this time. What is, what's your thoughts on um, alcoholism, Dan? I don't drink. 
Um, I know it affects a lot of people and a, and a lot of people close to people. It's in a way, it is something that you know. It if it's highlighted, it kind of accentuates people that do have alcohol problems. So, you know, it is in a good point. It is raising awareness of what's going on. Yeah, but you've got to not mock the subject matter at that time. Do you know what I mean? The, the whole thing about it is to bring awareness to people who don't know as opposed to what WCW are doing right now. You know, like I say, Scott Hall, such a major impact in WCW with the original NWO is not being able to really uh, have, you know, the success he wanted due to the drinking problem. And that is because of the what WCW allowed him to get away with. Uh, it's, 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 it's partly Hall's fault, you know, and we see it with other wrestlers as well. Look how wasted Bulldog and Nineheart were when they first started. Hall now can't get up to second rope. I'm not saying, obviously, Hall is probably putting us on a little bit. He's been into shows before. Even Kevin Nash has admitted now that, you know, the, the, the Panama City, when they went there for Nitros, they were wasted doing that. So this is the kind of thing, the, the culture of that, and, uh, and with alcohol, especially being around, and then that begats other drugs. He could talk about being a gateway drug, you know, recreational stuff, whatever it is. That then that's what that becomes. Then until you're trading pills or whatever it is in a locker room, it comes commonplace. I know they don't do that anymore, obviously for the wellness policy. Who knows what goes behind closed doors? I don't think I was going to get that serious about it, but uh, you know, it's the thing. If you're going to treat, you're going to look at it, treat it right. Well, Scott's out here. So it is NWO versus NWO. Hollywood versus Wolfpack. Chico versus Senatorian. A fake Cuban versus a real one. Exactly. And Scott Hall, now we're going to see a survey. Scott Hall wants his drink. Instead of Vincent to calm down. Remember that used to be a loud chant. Now the survey doesn't work. Victor here to see a black and white express. So the dream match, K-Dog versus Scott Hall. I fucking hate Conan. I mean, give me give me something to like about him. His stick? Oh, fuck off. He's a cunt. <coughs> Look at him and the way he comes out in his fucking shirt and his fucking stupid hat and fucking sunglasses. Just listen to him. Give him a chance. Fuck him. I hate both of you. You know that? <coughs> Conan's an awful worker. Piece of shit. I did see something interesting the other week, though. Vampiro. There's a clip. Uh, re- recent triple WrestleMania. Because... Can- uh, Conan and Vampire got this kind of feud that goes back years. Conan was doing commentary, right? And they're in the ring, and the, the heels were there, and he was waiting to go in, and he wouldn't go in until he played his music. So he's saying to backstage, play my fucking in, play my fucking music, and I'll go in. And Matt Striker's like, uh, Vampire will not go in the ring until he hears his music for the crowd. We understand that, but why doesn't he just go in? And he's like, play my fucking music. Music played, he eventually went in. And you're like, what a fucking tool. Well, Fucking Conan is ten times a tool that fucking um, Vampiro is. <laughs> Fuck Conan. That's what I say. Fuck him. That's why WWE died with pieces of shit like him. And fucking Mongo. Now you've got a drunk fucking Scott Hall facing him off. Well, I'm not calling this one, Dan. You can. Fuck him. So I tie up Scott Hall's working on the arm of K-Dog. For a drunk, he's certainly wrestling well. Ramsey's shoulder into Conan's, dropping Conan down to two knees. Then just taunting him by slapping him at the back of his head. Scott's a great worker when he's sober. So he's never worked... (laughs) Well, not tonight. Conan turning it around against the drunk 
Scott Hall. Getting the crowd into this. This is the most liveliest the crowd has been during a match. you got to admit, he is getting them into it. Yeah, because of the Wolfpack gimmick, not because of Conan. <coughs> you put Scott Hall as a Wolfpack, you'll be getting the crowd into it. Mm. Conan brings nothing to the to it. Nothing. Hall there, still working over the arm of Conan. He's got a bent back, bit of a test of strength going on. Conan's slowly coming back into it, though. Oh, and just... Grips the hair of Scott Hall, chucks him to the mat. Yeah, he cheated to get an advantage. He's got the advantage. Oh my God, Chris Jericho beat a Goldberg that looks nothing <laughs> like Goldberg and I'm falling for it. He must mean he's a world champion. <laughs> now Hall teasing a test of strength, but he keeps switching arms when Conan goes to reach for it. Ends up getting him a slap round the face. Irish whip from K-Dog rolls through. Lovely clothesline takedown. Why does he keep grabbing his crotch? Is he might have crabs. Exactly. Scott Hall going for a walk. Don't blame him. Oh, they're in a very precarious position. These are the first wrestlers that have actually utilised double rings. And Conan's stomping Hall between the two rings. And Scott Hall's disappeared underneath. Maybe he's trying to find Hornswoggle. And Vincent up in the apron. Rightly so. He's distracting Conan. Hall's coming in from behind. I don't think K-Dog sees it. And he must know, formerly being a part of the NWI, that they always come from behind. <laughs> well, he hit Scott Hall there. But I don't think Scott Hall is in the right frame of mind. And they take the drink off Vincent. If he's a real alcoholic, that drink wouldn't have lasted two minutes. Exactly. And the referee now eventually counts Scott Hall. And he's mocking the referee, just taking his time. He's up to nine. He brings just in the nick of time. Well, Scott Hall doesn't look great. Now Scott Hall's got Conan down the submission. They're more interested in what's going on in the crowd than the match now. But Conan trying to power out of Hall's submission. But Hall with a knee to the ribs, locks it back in. He's got both arms pulled behind his back in a position they're not supposed to be in. They're not emotionally invested in Conan. No, that's the thing. They don't really care about Conan. Scott all talking smack to Conan. Definitely not telling him his next move. Look how sweaty they are. They don't fuck all. Oh, Conan again trying to get his way back into this. Can he turn it around? Reverse the pressure onto Scott Hall. Finally gets it round. And now Hall's in trouble. Why don't he just let go of Conan's arms then? Oh, now you wanted to get in the way of the referee so you could hit a low blow. That was clever by Scott Hall. And I don't want to point it out, but it is important whoever gets the victory here tonight. Hall going for the cover. Kind of managing to kick out. Uh, whoever gets the victory here tonight, you know, we'll be bragging rights over Wolfpack and NWO. And we'll have huge bearing on coming into our main event, uh, which is next, which is NWO versus WW versus Wolfpack. Hall with a fall away slam. Goes for the cover, but Conan gets showed off at two. Two. And now Hall going for the uh, abdominal stretch, which was made famous by uh, Wilbur Schneider. And now he's asking Vincent, not for a hand, but for his drink. Now he's having a little drink whilst he wrestles. No, nope, wants another drink. No, now he's actually going to use ropes. And again, Scott Hall with the hand on the ropes. Referee can't catch him yet. Third time's a charm. Oh, and the referee catches him, gets him to break the hold. 
And he does so with a couple of clubbing blows to the back of K-Dog. Well, Conan attempted the abdominal stretch, but couldn't do it because he's fucking useless. Hall hip-tosses him off. And then when Conan's down, Hall went for the elbow three times. Conan dodged, and now it's your man. And this might be the end coming up for Hall soon. Conan sent him to one corner, into the next. Irish whip from one corner to the other. Follows it up, but runs into a boot from Hall. Oh, clotheslines him down. Conan rolls through onto his belly. Quite intelligent wrestling there. Can't get pinned when he's on his belly. You really think he did that intentionally? All right. Shut your face. Hall places Conan on the top turn back in a very precarious position. Back sloop. Back suplex on a second turn back. Well, Hall was calling for it, but he said, wait a minute, drinks break. That's why he's been... Uh... No, all he wanted to finish his drink. He's done well in this match so far. Vincent's saying, come on, don't drink. I love you, Virgil. <laughs> hey, man. I fucking love you, man. Oh, and a kick sends a drink spraying across the fans. Was that an X Factor? Well, it was an attempt at one. It was an X Factor. Tequila Sunrise locked in. Hall taps immediately, giving the victory to the Wolfpack and Conan. Ow! He's bowdy, bowdy, rowdy, rowdy. Orderly. Arriba la raza. Awful. One more for the good guy. Awful. Terrible. Terrible wrestling there by both men. Scott Hall tried to bring something out of Conan, but failed miserably. Conan's a sweaty little bastard. Spot in WCW, or the Wolfpack itself. But the Wolfpack do get the victory as we move on to our main event. So here we go, we are moments away, and there have been a lot of uh, rules changes from War Games, but uh, I think we should go back explain a little bit about War Games. It happened in 1987, Dusty Rhodes come out of it. Dusty Rhodes, baby. Kind of War Games gimmick. It's basically against four horsemen versus uh, four or five other guys. And a bit like the Elimination Chamber, really. Uh, well, it's the first five-minute period between the two men. And then in between intervals, every two minutes, the opposing team member would then come out. And then you'd have basically your four and four, your five and five. And then it was either submission or surrender for the victory. They changed it up a couple of times. Of course, we had War Games last year for NXT, didn't we? We um, did, yes. Where, where we had the three teams, which we're actually having, weirdly enough, in this match here. We get three. It's exactly the same rules if you did rules if you watch TakeOver. There'll be three teams involved, uh, each man coming out at different times. Michael Buffer will explain everything. Well, it's three teams of three, and the first one to score a pinfall at any point during the match is your number one contender to Goldberg. Yeah, so they've done it a little bit differently where, you know, the pinfalls have been involved as well. But I've been uh, swatting up on a previous Fight Night 5, and that was a Dungeon of Doom versus Hogan uh, and his Hulkamaniacs. Not a bad team. Hulk Hogan, Sting, Lex Luger, and Macho Man Randy Savage going against a shark who's Earthquake, Kamala, um, Brutus Barber Beefcake, and, of course, someone else I can't remember. The giant came out and snapped uh, Hogan's neck, supposedly. In 1996, uh, we had, which I've, I quite enjoyed the War Games, it was uh, the NWO, which was Hogan, Nash, and original members, with Fake Sting going against Flair, Luger, Macho, and Real Sting. And Real Sting, they didn't believe it was Real Sting. He came out, proved a point, left them there to get beaten up. 
And of course, we talked about 97 with the uh, Four Horsemen and the NWO earlier tonight. So this is a little bit different. And unfortunately, it's the last uh, full brawl event as well. So we wouldn't see war games. We see it again on Nitro in 2000. I'm a big fan of war games, are you? What I hear. Well, I think it's just a bit too much. Well, we see fireworks coming out. And the cage is lowering. I didn't mind the NXT war games. I thought that was quite fun and exhilarating. Yeah, I know, but I think with war games, I don't know how well it's travelled, but I can see the idea. If you've got two teams that really hate each other, then I think war games is a great way that you can work out like that. And I know there's different variations. You know, it is basically the kind of Hell in a Cell match with Elimination Chamber rules to it, in a way. So when it gets Goldberg, even though Goldberg's not featured on the paper, would you put Goldberg in a match? Yeah. I would have done. Who would you stuck up against? Lodi. <laughs> well, he played Scott Putsky, didn't he? On Nitros, I suppose someone like that. He could have gone against everyone. It's another number, well, the number here is one. Who will be the winner? Who will be the one survivor of War Games? So you go, first two participants of War Games. It's him, it's him, it's DDP. <laughs> DDP. Probably the most loyal person to WCW when you look in their war against the NWO. And even said that when he got offered the Wolfpack deal. He said, you look what happened a couple of years ago when I, you know, gave you the bang. Will it be the same thing here? And uh, I think you've got to trust in DDP when it comes to WCW. I mean, WCW's <coughs> problem is didn't have strong enough faces to go against the NWO. And Page, the people's chance. Got amongst the people. Tell you what, good commentary by Mike Tanay in this one. He really is get under the radar commentator. He gets the facts across. He tells you what the stuff you kind of need to know that are interesting as you're waiting for the guys to actually kind of get in the ring as well, you know, telling us about the 22 world title reigns, each of the, you know, the guys have had, the Wolfpack's the most experienced, well, WWE team, even with uh, Piper and Warrior involved, is the most inexperienced. And it is quite, you know, we talk about WWE's roster. There are nine guys here, and most of them are top-level guys, aren't they? He said six of the nine are former champions. No DDP would go on to be a champion. Like, Bret Hart is pretty strong to have talent-wise, isn't he? So, same with DDP. Oh, yeah. Hogan and Nash involved. <clears throat> you could argue with Luger, but it's still name value there, isn't there? And Bret's United States champion coming out here, and he's had a falling out with Hogan over the treatment of Sting as part of the Wolfpack. Bret's not an official NWO member. Hogan didn't want him a part of the team. He wanted the Giant to take his place. Well, he's been exonerated, as you were saying, for the Giant. And the thing is, as well, is that you've got Stevie Ray involved... As part of this team, is that a huge mistake by Hogan? Why the giant? Why is the giant not involved? And now Brett's in for his first ever War Games. The thing I like about War Games is it's different. Like uh, if um, another wrestling company should have different gimmicks to the same old. And the War Games, you think, oh my god, this is probably their kind of special event as well. So there is a bit of history to it. As the five minutes have started now. So WCW against WCW to start the match off with. If this match ends with a pinfall in the first five minutes, then none of, us, none of the others are coming down. Yeah, if Paige beats uh, Brett, all for the face, Goldberg, at our next pay-per-view, Halloween Havoc. He's not going to go past what he knows. He's going to wrestle in the war game so far till he has to change it up. Well, you know, it's not Brett's first Hell in a Cell cage match. 
It's not his first cage match. No, I mean, famously, Brett against Owen at SummerSlam 1994 and started still cage for the WF title. And Brett's been there and done that. Page with a shoulder block takes Brett down. You see, going for the... Only getting a two count. Two. And now exchanging slaps. DDP gets the upper hand, turns it into a few forearms and just clubs away at the back of Brett. Oh, reversal, though, sends Page into the ropes. Brett looking for a hit lock takedown, block, blocked by Page. Belly to belly suplex, goes for the cover, but only getting a two count. Two. I think Brett's at a disadvantage at the moment because if Page goes for the diamond cutter, which coincidentally he nearly just went for, he can end this match just like that with Brett with a sharpshoot. You're going to need to wear him down a little while, you know. You're not going to tap out, especially someone like Page, straight away. Whereas with diamond cutter, I think you can get Brett down. You catch him kind of out of nowhere. And it can be over before anybody else has to come out. I'll allow that. Three minutes to go till we see our next person as Brett drops Paige with a DDT. Thanks, Rico, for the three-minute warning. And then follows up with a leg drop. And Brett now slowly going to take his time. Who's going to be the next one in then? Uh, it'll be a wolf pack because we've got NWO WCW. The thing I like about what WCW do as well, they do the coin toss. And every time the hills always get the advantage when it comes to the numbers. You're not going to have it really as much here. Because obviously with team members, if it is another person on their team, they'll turn into a tag team. I know what I'm trying to say. We'll see it as the match progresses, hopefully. You're just chatting shit. No, because if the Wolfpack guy comes <laughs> out, right, and then the next one's a Wolfpack, then the NWO and WSW guy should just team up as a tag team. Then it'll be two on two. And it won't be until the next guy comes out. If he's Wolfpack, then it'll be three on two. Well, two minutes left. And Paige rocking Brett. Big right hands, but Brett managing to reverse Paige out the corner. Sends him into the opposite corner, punches head. Oh, bit of a backbreaker there from the hitman. Oh, my God. Head butt to the midsection. Oh, Brett goes for the suplex, gets blocked by Paige. Paige then turns it into an armbar takedown. And now we've got a minute to go. Brett poked to Page's eyes. Side Russian leg sweep. Goes for the cover. One, two. Page kicking out. Uh. Page run up, small package. One, two. Oh. Getting Page getting his shoulder up. 30 seconds. Now Brett with the right hands to Page. Rocking it back in the corner. Page just been Irish ripping. He's been beaten up by Brett a little bit. As we get to 10 seconds left. So who are you going for? Go on, pick a man. Uh, Nash. Lex Luger. Random draw. Oh. Stevie Ray. Well, the second NWA member coming out. So they got a two-on-one advantage now. So now Stevie's just going to work down DDP. Brett's going to catch his breath back. We've got two minutes until we've got the next competitor. Right, say that, a minute and a half now. And take advantage whilst they can. Yes, I want a Harlem Heat tag team member to be a main event on a pay-per-view. Yeah, I'm going to pick Stevie Ray. Yeah. Yes, but the T doesn't quite have what it's saying. No. Well, it was a mistake, wasn't it? But still, minute to go. Brett and Stevie double-teaming Paige. Paige ducking underneath the double clothesline attempt and takes them both out. Stevie Ray's immediately up to one knee. Realises he wasn't on the offensive move, so rocks back down to his backside. <laughs> but Genius. He, he is getting up before Paige. Well, he's a fresher man in his defence, and he's only taken one clothesline as an offensive move, so... As I would say, you know, that's fair enough. 
And he chokes out Paige with 30 seconds left. Just imagine if Stevie Ray could win and face Goldberg at Halloween Havoc. The greatest prize in WSW. Luger. Yeah. <laughs> I would say it would be Piper. Here we go. Oh, Sting. Wolfpack Sting coming out. Stevie's going to beat Sting. Big chin. And now they're in the other ring now as well. Sting laying a smack down on Stevie Ray. Of course, got the NWO black and red colours. Stevie's on the other ring. Sting <laughs> flies over both sets of ropes. Takes out Stevie Ray to a big woo! <laughs> woo! Woo! <laughs> Whilst Brett beating up DDP, the other ring. Oh! Paige just got a low blow. Well, Stevie Ray in a bit of trouble with Sting, and Sting's got his uh, fists taped. Probably because he's been, obviously, in war games before. He knows what it takes to get the job done. Well, one minute left. This is going to be Piper coming out next. Luger. Sting's got Stevie Ray up against the cage. Caught between the ropes. And Stevie just getting his head snapped back and forth. Ray, Paige and Bozo on each other. Stinger splash against the cage to Stevie Ray. Luger, Luger. Sting again, Stinger splash. And Stevie's in a lot of trouble. Brett's got Paige up. Pole driver. Sting misses the Stinger splash. Stevie moves. And who's going to be the next competitor? It's Piper. Here comes Piper now. Crazy Piper. Stevie Ray's got Sting up Gorilla Press. Punch of the midsection though, and Sting's uh, Piper's just hitting anything that moves, including Paige. Well, the minute we're the same team, but it is every man for themselves. And this is what we've never seen. So it basically became a nine men, two ring match for the WWE title, but the Wolfpack will team up, surely. Don't call me Shirley, but I believe if anyone teams up, it's the NWO Black Knights. Well, you might be right, Piper biting Stevie Ray. He's just giving him a love bite. Brett and Paige take each other out. Piper now working on Brett Hart. What match they had at WrestleMania 8? Long way from home now. <laughs> and Paige and Piper back to back. Oh, hitting each other. Piper Ducks. Poke to the eye. I love Piper's poke to the eye. <laughs> <laughs> what is wrong with you, little man? Sting between the rings, taking out Stevie Ray. <sighs> Piper biting Sting. Luger. Yeah, Luger. No, you're not allowed to say Luger. Say <laughs> someone else. Uh, Hogan. It's not going to be Hogan. And Brett sending Paige into the turnbuckle. As we await our net tour. There's five men here already waiting for number six. Yes! Fucking nailed told it. Ya. Fucking told you. I fucking knew it. Here comes Luger. And he's ready to help out, is he? Is Wolfpack Brethren. <laughs> Brett's <just laughs> not up yet. Brett's like, hi. Hi, Lex. I'll let you beat up Stevie Ray. Isn't that nice of Brett to let Steve Ray get beaten up by Lex Luger. And Brett's going after Paige. 
We've got Piper and Sting as well. So who's left then? We've Nash, got Hogan. And the Warrior. And the Warrior. The Warrior's coming out last, isn't he? Yeah, I, feel, I reckon it'll be Hogan next. Luger just took out Bret Hart, and they might have been friends or not. I'm not sure. Now Luger and Stevie Ray are fighting. Piper's down. Sting and Paige in the corner. And now Piper's got the sleeper in with Luger. Luger powers out. Deposits Piper onto the edge of the apron. We test Stevie Ray. And now Piper and Stevie go to the other ring. And Sting just bulldogs Paige. Brett Atomic dropped to Lex Luger. Piper's got a sleeper on Stevie Ray. We're less than 20 seconds away to finding out who's next. And actually who will be next at Halloween Havoc yeah. as well for Goldberg. Mm. Here we go. Up next it's Kevin Nash. Fucking called it, didn't I? Here comes Kevin Nash. Ready, point for me. Ready for action. You could have gone back and watched this on the network, Dan. I don't know if you, you, you're trying to stoop me or what, but Nash going right after Piper. Hogan next. The warrior. And the fans going absolutely crazy for Kevin Nash. The big sexy means business so much. Straps down early. And now he's got Stevie Ray. Jackknife attempt. Oh, what's Hollywood doing? Well, Hogan's trying to sneak out early. But it's like a minute and 20 seconds to go. I don't know what Hogan's thinking. He's in the cage. You've let him in. He's got a weapon. Knocks out Nash. Knocks out Piper. It must be the slapjack. Stevie Ray slapjack takes out Nash and Piper. And it's not even not even ready Pulls yet. Pulls the rack in on Brett. Brett, could, it could be over. Sting's got the scorpion... Uh, DDP. And they're finally realising Luger's in trouble. And now the NWO have taken out the rest of the competitors for Hogan to win the match. There we go. We're waiting for 20 seconds, but we already know who it's going to be because Hogan's already out here. Well, don't Hollywood just quickly pin Stevie Ray? Well, he's giving him his slapjack. Why don't you pin Nash? I mean, his time's there. Stevie Ray and Hogan both got Nash. Oh, I have no idea what they're going to do. Here comes Hogan. Atomic leg drop. But I don't think he's finished yet. Well, a minute 32, the Warrior comes out. And Hogan, instead of going for the pinfall, is still fucking around. A huge Hogan sucks chant. As he hits another leg drop. Uh-oh. The ring is filling with the steam. The mist, the fog, the smoke, the whole of War Games has gone up. Oh, and there has appeared in the ring, Hogan from behind. And Hogan just beating up the warrior. And the smoke fills the ring again. <laughs> well, I don't know what's going on here. No one does. Oh, Hogan's got Warrior's jacket. Warrior's disappeared. There is no warrior. He's gone. What? And the warrior comes running out of here. What is all that about? Taking out Stevie Ray and Hogan. Hogan into the cage. What are we seeing here? 
Fuck me, that must be some solid slapjack there taking everyone out. I mean, it's nearly as powerful as a pedigree. And now Hogan's as powerful as a pedigree. Hogan's <laughs> backing out of the cage. A uh, disciple is there. Wants to shut the cage door so he can't be hurt by the warrior. And warrior now is worrying up against Stevie Ray. There is so much smoke we can hardly see anything. Hogan doesn't want an opportunity. They locked him in, so there's eight men in there. Stevie sent to the side of the cage. The warrior can't get out at the moment. Hogan doesn't want any of the warrior. They'd give it to us on a night try, wouldn't they? <laughs> well, we've got to look forward to that. <laughs> that Halloween Havoc is Hogan and Warrior. Hogan rather would give up his opportunity at world title rather than face Ultimate Warrior. And the Warrior there just snarling at Hogan. Well, don't you just get the ring and the smoke and... Oh. Oh, wait a minute. Warrior's kicking his way out of the fucking cage. Oh. He could have just used his smoke trick, but he's trying this. He's out. And he's going after Hogan, the disciple. He's going after Hogan. Getting held back by Bill Goldberg looking security motherfucker. Well, there's loads of security out there stopping him. As Hogan's running away. So now we down to seven men. The Wolfpack are down at the moment, the entire Wolfpack. Brett's limping, Paige sweating, Stevie Ray there. Stick. No, he just throws him out of the way. Diamond cutter. Paige hit the diamond cutter with Stevie Ray. One, two, three. And Paige is a number one contender. And he would go to Halloween Havoc face Goldberg. He wins war games. So Team WCW win. And a bit of an upset that DDP got the job done. My word. Dan, what are your thoughts on all them shenanigans? Well, you know, you can tell the feud between Hogan and the Warrior is a deep personal one and neither of them care about the title because, you know, they kind of took it to the outside. Um, the match in itself it is a bit of a shambles, really. You know, there's, I know it is unique to WCW, but I think that kind of takes away from the fact of, you know, Hogan comes in, knocks everyone out with... The slapjack. Everyone's been down for the past five minutes. Completely fucking ridiculous. I just think it's it's quite a weird concept. The war games. <laughs> it it didn't work in the way war games usually works because basically it was a you know what I mean nine man, man number one contendership match, which uh, is different to what normally war games is. And as Paige walks off. Into the crowd, celebrating it with the People's Champion. It was very, very strange. But that is it for uh, War Games and WCW. So let's go back and uh, talk about it, shall we? Well, let's go through the car first. So the first match was Disco and Wright versus Bulldog and Jim Neinhardt. Dan, kicks off. I, In my opinion, I think it was a bit of a... A weird pairing, Jim and the British Bulldog. Yeah, they've both got illustrious tag team careers, but both of them have been like the bigger man, the powerhouse of their groups, and two powerhouses, I don't think, make mm. a good connection. Um, the dancing fool, Zango. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, without the gimmick. That's what I like about them, though. I think they've got a little bit of gimmick um, there, you know. What it I mean, like... wasn't the greatest of matches. 
you know, not really that invested in the whole thing. You know, it was, uh, it just wasn't a great match. I don't feel the Nineheart and Bulldog were fit to perform at the pay-per-view, to be fair. They looked very out of shape, whether, whatever they were getting up to beforehand, whatever it was. It didn't look like they were actually looking after themselves. One of the things levelled at WWE over the years, you know, a lot of things, but one thing is that the wrestlers are always in good shape when they go out there to make sure they're tip-top condition to perform. You know, they're, they're, they're athletes now. And looking back at Bulldog and Nineheart, you think, doesn't look too good for him. I, I like the potential of Disco and Alex Wright. I think they're fun. I think Alex Wright is so underrated as well as a performer. I think um, he needs to go back and watch some of his matches back in the day, and I think it would be good. The match itself was uh, not very good. You know, I don't think it was Thunder level, let alone Nitro pay-per-view level. Uh, didn't really get the crowd into it that much either, because I think you knew the result before we started, like you said, the two big guys in Bulldog and Nineheart. So he's going to go that way with the powerhouses. Nineheart, very heelish, though, I feel, in that. And uh, I think he brought a little bit of something to it, to be fair. Going, you know, probably going back to his heart days. Whereas Bulldog definitely was uh, calling it in. What was your score? Um, I'll give that one a two and a half out of five. Yeah, I will give that a two and a half out of five as well. And then up next, well, the upset of all upsets, Jericho versus Goldberg. My word. Well, Goldberg's undefeated streak came to an end uh, tonight, 143-0. and Walked away. As Why are you looking at that for? Because you're a fucking moron. Why am I a moron for? Because you're such a mark. What happened in the match then? <laughs> it was a fake Goldberg. What? Goldberg wasn't the real Goldberg. You could tell that from a mile off. Well, was he bald-headed? Just answer, just answer me three quick. Was he bald-headed? Yes, he was. Did he have a tattoo on his right arm? Tattoo. You bet he did have a tattoo. Was he with black, black trunks? He had black trunks. Well, it was Goldberg then, wasn't it? No, it wasn't. Right. Where, okay, answer me. Where was Goldberg? Goldberg wasn't on the card. Okay. Yes, he was. He lost to Jericho. Upset of all upsets. Jericho, television champion... And I will say, world champion in waiting. Uh, no, I did like the storyline about it. Though. Uh, I, the match itself, I gave it a three out of five, but only because of angle. But Dan, what are your thoughts? Yeah, um, the angle advancement, I think it was perfect way to advance. It is classic Jericho doing what Jericho does. Yeah. You know, mocking his opponent. We've seen him mocking Jericho, Juventud, Rey Mysterio, everyone he's gone against. And, you know, he does it with perfection. And, you know, again, this this was right up Jericho's alley. Perfect for him. And, yeah, you know, again, for the overall thing of it, I'll give it a three out of five. Yeah, I mean, this is not a step down for Jericho or Goldberg, even there, in fact. I mean, this is a story that could work as long as you get the payoff in the end for Goldberg and Jericho to go one-on-one, you know. I think that's what works well. Uh, so, three out of five for me. Up next, Norman Smiley versus the Cat. This is a match that could have happened on Nitro and no one would have given it. Even Thunder. I think Nitro is too good for it. It should have happened on Thunder. It was a drizzly shit. It was an awful fucking match, you know. Uh, for, for, for Norman Smiley was the only bright light in it. And the, knowing that the cat's going to be in WWE now for the next couple of years is kind of draining on me. Knowing the same that there's Conan on the card and there's Mongo to to wrestle back, you know, so I thought it was awful, for me that's 2 out of 5 yeah, yeah I'll agree with that 2 out of 5 and then Rick versus Scott, brother versus brother, wow the war we wanted 
My God, go on, Dan. Go on. Well, starting off, this had the potential to be a great match. Seven, eight months in the making. Um, you know, we've waited to see this. It has been a long time coming. It would have been a great match to actually see it in its entirety. But no, some bogus finish with fucking um, Buff Bagwell and his neck. And then, you know, going through all that dragged out sequence of him going onto a stretch, getting taken out of the back, even closing the door. And then as soon as the door's not even closed properly, bang, they attack Rick Steiner. Was it even worth it, really? I could might extend the feud, but it makes Rick Steiner look like a fucking idiot. It makes everybody else look like a fucking idiot. And the thing is, the crowds were invested in this because you heard how hot they were when they first started trading blows. The crowd want to see it, and yet they're not delivering it properly. You know, And the thing about injuries being taken place, there's two things WCW done on this pay-per-view. One of them is uh, the, the Scott Hall thing we'll get onto a little bit. But the other thing is about serious injuries and taking it too far and crying wolf once too many times and then people just don't care anymore. So I gave it a two and a half out of five because I'm not really going to class that as a proper match. No, I'll agree with that, two and a half out of five. I mean, you know, the the longest part of it was actually them going to the back and the yeah. stretcher angle. It was like really fucking yeah. drawn out and pointless. And then they try to bring the card up next with Silver King versus Hoovy. I was impressed by both men in this one. I've had a go at Hoovy in the past and I've got to be impressed with him. And Silver King, a little respect about him. Uh, the reverse Harakarana that Silver King took off the top I thought was impressive. Uh, of course, the 450 as well. There's a couple of other moves that Silver King did. Little nip-ups and flips and stuff. I thought it was quite cool. I thought it was a very solid match, and I think by a country mile, the best match on the card at that point. You know what I mean? Oh, to, to the point, yeah. Um, both guys really pulled it out. It was, you know, I don't know if it was because we had faced such shit beforehand <laughs> that it just made it, you know, look a lot better. Or, or, but, yeah, you know, as you say, both men didn't miss a beat. You know, both accomplished wrestlers at what they do in the cruiserweight division, and... Certainly turned it up, and it goes, you know, and it goes alongside with what we've been saying about WCW's cruiserweight division. That yeah. it is absolutely on point. Yeah, and they should make it a main focus, and that makes something different to what the WWF is actually doing. Uh, I go three and a half out of five. I gave that a four out of five. I was very impressed with that match. Well, up next, another match that impressed me: Raven versus Saturn. Uh, I. Really enjoyed it. It might have been a bit of a slow start, but it got given time, didn't they, to tell a story in it. And like we mentioned at the time, with with uh, Kidman's involvement in it, telling the story, he got the cheer from the crowd. Uh, Canyon doing what he did with the handcuffs, I thought that was quite clever, and then he you know, got himself caught in the end. And I think the right victory, I think it was, if that was NWO, then obviously it would be a DQ finish or kind of like a cheap ending that the Hills would win. And I think Saturn getting the Death Valley tree meant a lot more to the match as well. You know, I, I was really, really impressed with it. What are your thoughts? Yeah, uh, I, I completely agree with you. You know, everything just went on to point. All the storylines played into it, as you mentioned. You know, just everything around the ring. You know, Lodi getting his comeuppance, getting a Death Valley driver through the table on the outside of the ring. And, you know, the, the interference where um, Billy Kidman, yeah. you know, you thought he was going to hit Saturn, but he actually... Went for Raven, Horace and Sick Boy chasing him off to take them out of the equation. Uh, yeah, everything just went perfectly. And I think it's like a brilliant culmination to that storyline, to that angle. You know, yeah. it actually has a full stop finish as opposed to, oh, what else could happen here? Exactly. But, you know, it's, it is decisive. 
Yeah, I mean, I gave that a four out of five. Yeah, I gave that a four out of five as well. Uh, I, I thought that was a, a really good match. The up next we've got uh, Henning ver- Henning versus Malenko. Uh, quite a short match. I think it was only like eight minutes long in the end. But Malenko showed a bit of fire in it. Uh, was beating the shit out of Henning most of the time until the course the dreaded NWO disqualification finish. Arn Anderson coming out. And I was a bit disappointed Arn Anderson didn't even get one shot in. You know, he stopped straight away. As soon as he came in, it was a punch to the gut. And then beating down the way he was. The crowd were desperate for flair all night. And they should have paid it off then. I know they're going to pay it off the next night on Nitro. They should have paid it off here in this pay-per-view. Uh, but again, I didn't think it was too bad. It's a bit of shame, though, seeing Henning and how broken down he was. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it is, you know, it, about three, four years ago, this could have been the perfect match. You know, and, I, and Kurt Henning, I think he's really past his prime. Uh, Dean Malenko, I think he's finding his strides. You know, he is coping really well alongside Chris Jericho. You know, they're kind of advancing up the cards at the same time. You know, they left the cruiserweight division behind. You've got Malenko, he's going, you know, potentially joining the four horsemen. And, you know, I kind of see with the storyline that they went with, you know, Arn Anderson tried coming out to help Malenko, but they're just not strong enough. You know, they need one or two more members to make it a four-man team. And, you know, it's... They're just lacking something or someone. And, it, it, yeah, it is a good way to Flair's return. Exactly. Uh, I gave that a three out of five. Yeah, just for pure angle advancement, I, I gave that a three out of five as well. Uh, and then we had Conan versus Scott Hall. Uh, look, we talked about with the injuries earlier, about how they treat them. The, 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 the storyline with Scott Hall, uh, the alcohol involved... It's it, first off, it's a bit too close to home. If you're going to punish Hall for something like that, don't make him do a story. Like it means he's not in the right mind anyway about it. You know, uh, you wouldn't get it with any other storylines. Even though, like you said, you get it with Hawk, you're getting it last. We we get it with Jake the Snake Roberts as well. We have had it before. Uh, I hated this match, not just because of Conan as well, but just because of everything about it. It's sad. You talk about it's sad seeing Kurt Henning broken down. Scott Hall is is. You know, ten times performer, uh, and it's a real shame to see him in dross like Conan. And it mean, you know, it it, let, it meant less than to Wolfpack versus NWO Hollywood because of how fucking boring it was. And what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, it is, you know, a sad, sad situation. Situation to see Hall. You know, it is. I think they should help him as opposed to promoting it and to turn it into a storyline. Um, you know, he's obviously going through a lot of troubles and again, you know, there was no point to this match. Mm. There was no, you know, there was no rhyme or reason to these two. Yeah, they're part of opposing factions, but there's no backstory to it. And, you know, it is, it's just, it was a pointless match. And, you know, for someone who is a fan of K-Dog, well, I wouldn't say I'm a fan of his, but I just like him because you hate him. But, you know, and all of it going in together, it's just, yeah, no, I wasn't a fan of the match, let's just say. I gave, what did you give it? I gave that a two and a half out of five. I gave it a one and a half out of five. That is your lowest (laughs) score ever. (laughs) 
It's an awful match. Main event, DDP, Piper, Warrior, Hogan, Stevie Ray, uh, Luger, Nash, and Sting. War Games. Well, you know, it is a really cockamamie way of doing it. You know, it's it's one of these ones that sets up for a, a team turning on itself. Um, you know, there can only be one winner. The first man to get the pinfall gets the victory. You know, Hogan comes in with the most deadliest weapon ever, knocks out everyone for at least 10 minutes to promote his and Warriors kind of upcoming match. Um, you know, if they was going to do it cheaply, why wouldn't Hogan just quickly pin Stevie Ray while everyone else was knocked out? Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a few things wrong with this. You know, if they just said straight up, it was going to be an eliminate. Uh, it's going to be uh, a multi-man match for the number contendership for the WWE World Title. Then fair enough, that match there. But when you get war games, you've got you know your three groups. Now people are desperate to see WWE versus NWO. You've now brought in the Wolfpack, and I feel when you brought the Wolfpack in, you should have got rid of the original NWO or do a storyline where it only has to be one group that survives. So then at War Games, you can have your five Wolf Packs versus your five NWOs, and you do it like that rather than diluting it with the WCW thing. I've got no problems with a number one contender match to take place, but just not at War Games when there's two teams. Now, another thing is Hogan is making him seem more important than the actual WCW title. Hogan is the main focal point on it all. Goldberg wasn't featured. Yes, the match was for the WCW title, number one contendership, but after we watched that match, we weren't the fact page one is the fact that it was uh, it was a Warrior and Hogan's problems and the match that they'll have down the line, which is kind of the number one program. Because why didn't even they have time to have Goldberg come out and have a face-to-face with Paige? Or maybe have Goldberg come out during war games to kind of even the odds or whatever it is for anybody like that. Uh, it's a bit of a strange card. It's a bit of a strange match. I still go to the match three and a half out of five. Because when you've got that amount of talent in it, I think, you know... And Stevie Ray. And Stevie Ray. You know, Bret Hart and Paige, I think, gave a good you know account of themselves in that one. I think the Wolfpack didn't need to be there. I feel, you know, I didn't think Nash did anything apart from take a couple of leg drops and hit a couple of big boots, you know. We didn't even see any jackknives, did we? We nearly, Hogan snuck his way down yeah. to the ring. So, um, you know, and again, a, a two minutes early from the clock, or a minute and a half early, and then the Warrior comes out to a minute and a half before the fucking clock as well. So yeah. then again, it's like, well, what's the fucking point of it then? It's like the Rumble, just have everybody come out fucking once and if the referee's not going to do it. Uh, for a pay-per-view, it's really, really bad because when you expect them to step up and be like, right, let's hit this out of the park, you know, they're focusing on something else. But before I get there, we'll talk about rating for that match. I gave that a three and a half out of five. I gave that a three out of five. I just wasn't invested into it. Yeah. I'm talking about the pay-per-view as a whole. That's what I'm saying. It's disappointing because they should have knocked out of the park. They're focusing on Nitro to Nitro and giving us moments that we'll be interested in as opposed to giving us uh, a pay-per-view that either tells a story or something important to it, or the matches that really take place. Yes, they're building towards Hogan and Warrior, but that is due to Hogan's ego. They wouldn't be doing that anyway. They'd, like you said, they'll probably give it away to Nitro, have Goldberg where, doing something else. And to have Goldberg going against Scott Putsy for the world titles we saw, takes away from the w- W's title, not because of Goldberg, but just because of the amount of people that he's going against. Where was the Giant? Have the Giant versus Goldberg for the title tonight. You know, that's as simple as that. Have that on the pay-per-view. Have it, uh, you know, before War Games, obviously, because you want the War Games thing to be good. But I wouldn't have seen Wolfpack versus NWO Black and White. That's what I wanted to see. I don't want to see Piper getting involved or whatever it is. Uh, but that's my rant over about WWE. What were your thoughts on the whole pay-per-view? Uh, 
aside from two matches, it was a complete cluster. Um, you know, none of these other matches, you know, the Scott Hall Conan, what was the point in that? Kurt Henning, Dean Malenko, what was the point in that? I know it was the kind of, they had had a couple of matches on Nitro beforehand and it's building up the return of the Four Horsemen. But, you know, again, it was it was a pointless throwaway match. Raven versus Saturn, great match. You know, that whole point and that story culminating there was great. Silver King versus Juventude, again, you know, a very good match. Scott and Rick, you know, they've teased us and teased us and teased us. They've given us the tip and then they've just pulled out and fucked off home, <laughs> basically. Yeah. And, you know, Norman Smiley versus the Cat, completely pointless. Dancing Fools, you know, none of these had any meaning to it whatsoever. No, no. You know, what's happened to the tag team titles? Well, it's the thing. Scott Hall's holding them, uh, one of them, and the other one's not really been defended, you know. It's mainly all just single matches. That's the all, all that's really going on here at the moment as well. It's still a one-way street. And it seems like WWE's going backwards in some way. Because, like I said, I watched the other full brawls, and each full brawl, you know, you, you had uh, your opening contest for 95, I think, was uh, Johnny B. Bad versus Brian Pillman, which ran on for about half hour, half an hour, which was technical. 1996, it was Jericho versus Benoit that started it. 97 was Malenko versus Guerrero. So, and, and now you're looking at 98, you're going, oh, you've got Disco versus Bulldog and Nineheart. Like, what's going on here? Mysterio was available to rest. WWE has got the roster, but not putting it forward. And now we're building towards Havoc and Starcade. And there's no clear plan of what's going to happen at Starcade. You know, that's meant to be WWE's biggest event. And it hasn't worked, worked it out. But rating out of 10 for you, for WCW, so, uh, Full Brawl 97, 98. I'll get there in a minute. Six and a half. Six and a half. I, I was thinking that, but I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. Because, like we said, we did enjoy Raven versus Saturn, didn't we? And the Cruiserweight title match as well. So I'll, I'll that's give it a why it's six and a half and not one and a half. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. It's a shame when we watch those the pay-per-views, they always let us down. But let's hope it doesn't Halloween Havoc, and that'll be our next WWE pay-per-view next month. We'll be back with WWE versus WCW later on in the month to give you free Raws and free Nitros from the the month of September. Our next episode is WNR 177, and it's the start of the May Young Classic. And Dan, are you excited for this year's May Young Classic? I am, yes. Uh, I'm, I'm very confident in my picks. Uh, I hope they, they go, well... As well as they did in the Cruiserweight Classic, shall we yeah. say. And I'm hoping to go as well as I did in last year's May Young Classic. Uh, and let's hope this year we have done well. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy with what I've got. Of course, we'll explain who we've got, what the bonus points are. Uh, you can tell us your picks as well for, through all the competitors, do the bracketology, and then bring you the first round, which will be fantastic because uh, that will be... Fucking 16 matches that we're bringing you on that podcast. I cannot wait to start the May Young Classic. Uh, we've got a lot more as well coming up later month. But, Dan, anything about WWE versus WCW at this time? I'm not surprised WCW went bust. <laughs> Come on, WCW. Fight. You can fight this. Well, up till then, let me do anything. So, if you want to let us know what you think of WWE at this time, you can contact us on Twitter at WWNetworkView or at Vince McDan, WWE. I'm at John Score Rollins. We're also across the Google platforms, WNetworkView on Google Plus. Send us an email to WNRPodcast at gmail.com. We're on Facebook. Yes, Facebook. You can come and find our page and give us a like with the WWE Network Review podcast. So, you can come and find me and add me as a friend. I am Vince McDan. 
Subscribe to our YouTube channel, WWE Net Review Podcast, where we've got clips up on there. Ricochet's 630 splash in person. Come on. And the podcast go on YouTube. Same time, there are places like SoundCloud. On your phone. Don't forget to subscribe to our music maker, Diddly, there. We're also on Speaker Radio. We've got live shows coming in November. Stitcher Radio and iTunes, where you can download, subscribe, rate, and review there. Yeah. But that is it. Like I say, next episode is the May Young Classic. But until then, I have been James Rollins. And as always, I was joined by... Damn right. Thanks for listening, everybody. And bye. Bye. <laughs>